Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports powered by Sikkim365.com. Here's Purdy with a lot of time. Steps into one. Launching deep. Going for Brandon Ayuk. It is. Oh, he caught it off the ricochet. Penalty. Is he in? 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. Third down, four-man rush, Purdy in some trouble, escapes, looking for the first down, he's got it anymore, Brock Purdy with the legs inside the 30. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Here's Kansas City from the 19, throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Second and eight from the nine. Jackson to Flowers. He dives. The ball came out. It's recovered by Kansas City. Did the ball come out before he broke the plane? 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Second and ten to the end zone again, and it is intercepted. Intercepted by Dion Bush, who just came in two plays ago for Mike Edwards. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Man, what a day. Today, the NCAA is under attack. And yet again, another lawsuit. We will get to that with Tennessee and also the state of Tennessee and the state of Virginia, among who else might join. Good afternoon, 365 Sports. I'm David Smoke. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, full throttle today up until 6 o'clock. And we will hear at 5 o'clock today from the new executive director of the American Football Coaches Association, Craig Bowl will join us today. They are located right there off of I-35, just off of the uh, campus at Baylor here, in fact, in Waco. Also, Nikki Collin on the Brittany Griner jersey retirement. But a lot to get to. We'll have guests who cover the Big 12, UCF, West Virginia, Texas Tech, KU, and Kansas State. But my goodness, today, the hammer, Tennessee, and also Virginia uh, with a lawsuit against the NCAA. 
This is becoming more common than bowl games uh, when it comes to college athletics. Uh, is the NCAA getting sued? Um, you know, and and when you started to see this flurry of NIL things, and it's, it's kind of confusing as to, you know, what the actual rules are and, and how uh, easy or hard they are to follow uh, in the in the landscape of things, this was inevitable. Uh, and with antitrust, you know, we're just waiting for somebody to, to, to jump on board with that. So now this is another antitrust situation they have. Uh, it feels to me like the U.S. government is telling the NCAA, look, we don't want to have to make you do anything. Like, but we're going to, and you need to figure this out on your own. But that is a uh, easier thing to say than do clearly, because it's just going to get messier and messier and messier as things go on. Yeah, I mean, uh, another legal story. Hooray! Um, that's I know why I got in the sports business was to talk about courtrooms and lawsuits all of the time. And um, you know, I'm just half joking. I mean, it's part of the deal, and we've had law, you know filter into various aspects of sports at, at different times, whether it's contract disputes or actual NCAA penalties back when they could really enforce those types of things. And, and you know, there's various avenues you go down when it comes to the, the legal profession and sports. But, I mean, the amount of time we spent talking about court cases and lawsuits and things of that nature with this one organization now for the last – several years has just become so tiresome and I don't know where it stops and I don't know when when's the last lawsuit to finally just break the bow of the the ship and 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 sink this thing because um they've got a lot on their plate already did before the year 2024 started and now here's another heaping pile of uh, stuff to deal with for the NCAA and can't blame anybody but themselves really um still uh surprised by just the amount of ways they've been able to pile up files on their desk and seemingly not clear any of them um, unless they've lost yet another court case and then you move on to the next one but I think Ross Dellinger had a list of all of the different lawsuits they're facing right now and it's just like what are I mean what are we doing here when when does this end how does this end and um, you know when how quickly can it come to an end so that the NCAA or whatever entity is going to be ruling over said schools whatever that organization looks like whatever that separation of schools looks like whether it's the whole meal deal that you've got right now or whether it's the eventual break off that people speculate about or wonder about uh, i don't know but this just feels like more and more weight on the shoulders of a group that was already trying to hold up a lot of weight so yeah i mean here's the states of tennessee and virginia and that didn't take long after the news yesterday and i guess we uh will uh, continue on down this path of lawsuits and courtroom cases and and see what eventually that turns out to be but yeah it's it's another lawsuit against the ncaa imagine that here's from governor bill lee of tennessee the university of tennessee has been nothing but forthcoming with the ncaa i think chancellor donde uh, plowman was uh, for taking a stand on behalf of all the universities and student athletes it's time for the ncaa to establish clear rules in the interest of student-athletes rather than try to retroactively enforce ever-changing name, image, and likeness guidance. Virginia also has been a, is also a part of this. We will hear, I believe on Friday afternoon, don't know the time yet, but the Attorney General of the state of Tennessee will join our show on Friday. You know, um, he makes a good point, um, and it's rare that politicians do that nowadays, but he does make a good point on retroactively enforcing guidelines uh, and ever-changing rules. 
That's what got them in trouble in the eligibility case. That was one of the things that happened to them there. Uh, it's it's what's going to uh, hurt them here is that you, you make rules, you change them. They're changing all the time. Well, it wasn't a you know when he broke the rule, it was you know two weeks before we announced this, so we're going to punish him for it. All all these different things, and I you know it's just a mess. And and the NCAA can't do anything to keep itself out of court, and that should be the goal. The goal should be let's really sit down here and do this. But the problem is. And we, we had it illustrated by Bob Thompson in that tweet last week is nobody really in charge of this knows enough about it to fix it. And there's too many people who are university presidents who are the ones who are in charge of the, you know, running the NCAA, like of, of agreeing to those rules that really know anything about sports. And that's not bad in a, in a normal sense of like, that's not their total job, but like now it really needs to be because if, this is going to be a for-profit industry like it's it's now is. You need people who have expertise in all these realms, and there's just too many people with too many different mission statements and too many different ideas about what this should be to make this go smoothly. Yeah, I, I just think it's all just kind of stupid at this point. I mean, it really is. And once every state started to kind of break off, or at some point you saw a lot of states breaking off and define the, the – um, the original intent and saying, no, like we're going to go state by state because they wanted their advantage or they felt it was unlawful or whatever the case may have been of why your state pursued um, going against what the NCAA originally wanted NIL to be. Uh, we know that some of it was recruiting advantage because a lot of it was in the Southeast um, and just or feeling like it wasn't uh, a lawful thing to do, whatever the case may be. That's when it just every this state's got this law and this state's got this law and this state's got this law. Well, there's. There's enough confusion for yeah. you, and now it's only gotten more confusing. And I'm frankly just, uh, like everybody else, waiting for something else to move on to. But here's this story that rears its head constantly because it never changes. It just continues to pile up on their plate more and more and more evidence that uh, their way of doing things is not going to be the way that things are going to work moving forward. I'm not claiming the death of the NCAA, but, God, I'm begging them to pivot to some other type of outcome because your way is not working, and it's not going to be the way moving forward. Like the idea that – and I don't even know if folks in the NCAA have it in their head that it will be, but the idea that this is what it used to be is just – it's not. It's not, and it never will be again. Maybe if there is the great split and you're suddenly ruling over North Dakota State and that's like one of your you know premier schools, but you're not dealing with Tennessee – or with Virginia, or uh, with Michigan, or Ohio State. Maybe that's the way. I don't know. I would just like to get there at some point soon because the every other month of lawsuit against the NCAA challenging uh, their rules is uh, is just. I mean, it's got to end at some point, right? Can uh, I can I add this to what you're saying? I 100% agree with you. It's sickening how stupid they are and how backwards they are and how dumb they are that they feel like they can slow play this because it almost just seems like that's what they've done the like, entire time. Yes, it's like it's like quicksand. It's like they're in quicksand except they're not trying to fight out of it. They're just sinking. They're not doing anything. Well, they're just throwing stuff out to whatever hits that particular topic at that time. Well, it feels like, and again, I'm no legal expert, and, and that's why I hesitate even talking about things like this too much. I just know the general basics of it all and don't know the ins and outs of the lawsuits and the process and all of that. I, I don't pretend to know that. But, yeah, I mean, that's basically what they did. Was it not when it came to NIL in the first place? Let's drag our feet, drag our feet until we're forced to make a decision, and then we'll respond to it. But we won't prepare ourselves for that event that's inevitable. But we'll respond when that time comes. And so that's what they did. And then NIL hit, and they had no 
no nothing to stand on. Uh, oh, God, didn't see this coming. Really? Everybody saw it coming, and you guys just figured you'd get your way again or that somebody like Superman would swoop in with his cape and protect you and that it would all go away. And it's just naive. Uh, I, I guess that's the, the word that comes to mind. And now it feels like with this of what's the NCAA's response? Well, we really need federal legislation. I mean, gosh, dang, how long we've we been hearing that now? For like three years? And guess what's not happened? Any of what they've been wishing for, nor has it even come close. And I know Charlie Baker's around politicking and doing what he can, but guys, maybe we just need to come to the realization that that's not going to work. And so start working on what will. And that's what everybody in every column I've read, and I know there's some, there's, there's some element of higher powers that are pushing certain article ideas forward and certain talking points and everything, but... I do think there is a lot of discussion right now about the obvious, and um, and that's why you're hearing more and more momentum about you know the future and what that's going to look like because I think everybody except the NCAA's kind of realize like you're probably not going to get what you want, so why don't you start working on what that is going to look like when you inevitably don't get what you want, which is Superman flying in and saving the day and protecting amateurism and doing all of those things. So unless they've got a Hail Mary on the way, I just feel like we're going to keep doing this until they finally break and and fall into the depths of the ocean, basically. Well, and, and the federal government has shown no interest holistically in doing it. It's just different, like, people firing off salvos to answer the question that they were thrown at them that day that what's going to make, you know, their constituency feel better. So if you're, you know, a senator from Texas, then you're going to say things that are going to be, that people in Texas are going to be like, well, okay, well, he gets it, or whatever, and that's all that's going to matter. But it, it that, that nothing going to come from it. And here the thing is, Here's the guidance the federal government has told you you have to, which I don't think they've understood yet. It's the Constitution. That's what they, they, they fail to understand. They've become so antiquated with the, the scholarship is the full payment thing that, no, you cannot make a deal with somebody that you own their name because they're going to school. Like, that's what slowed them down. Like, if you start with what are the basic rights that you have as an American and then build out of there and then just put some sort of you know, collectively bargain agreement in place of here's what's legal and not within the system, then that works better than going, well, we think it's different. Students should be treated differently. Well, if they're 18 and legal adults and can vote and join the army and buy cigarettes, then maybe, just maybe, Uh, they should be able to have some money. I know Allstott and all of the other things that have occurred, um, Alston, excuse me, and all the other things that have occurred with the NCAA lawsuits, EA Sports, whatever, all of that, O'Bannon, but I and I've been told I'm wrong on this. If back in 1985, when that was, this was not even a part of a, anyone's thought process, uh, or 1995, had the NCAA said, "Guys, we're we're gonna this tidal wave is coming," if they could have come up with some guidelines, then they still might have been sued and still might be where we are. But could they not have at least delayed this another decade? Oh. By, by saying, here's what we're going to do to structure student-athletes. Yes, they can get paid based on their value. They can also get paid to come to a school above and beyond the scholarship and all the other things they get. Would that have delayed anything? Or would that or have still... It might have eliminated. Like, they might have still gotten sued in the, the structure of it, right? In that, like, maybe their structure wasn't. But if they had done that, then at least you've opened up the possibility for partnership in that. I'll tell you... Where I really think about it, the first time, and I was only 12, but the first time I ever heard it was with Chris Weber when he was at Michigan. 
you know, he made a stink about it. And instead of treating Chris Weber like he was an adult with an opinion that was valid, they just brushed it off. And then when that happened, it's only going to get worse as the next person who sees something wrong with this comes along and next and next and next. And then you get to, say, a situation like Johnny Manziel where he was like, I don't give a crap yeah. what the rules are. I'm going to do what I want to do. All those number two jerseys are me. Yeah, absolutely. And here we are. But, Craig, I also 100%. Not that we haven't tried, that we've not ourselves aligned or learned more and more about sports law. Dan Lust is going to join us either tomorrow or Friday to give us his, intake, uh, his input, too, on what's going on. So, uh, Garrett, let's skip over the, uh, the Tom Mars law about what Spire Sports did when it comes to Tennessee. We'll get to that a little bit later on when we have a little bit more time. But Dennis Dodd might have had the best tweet of anyone. Here's his thought. If the Southwest Conference were alive today, it not only would support NIL, it would have weaponized it. Think of an SMU collective called 1987. You shouldn't have to grasp the significance. That, of course, was a conference which had some really good teams. It blew up because people were cheating, and others were letting them know that we're going to turn you in, and those who said we're going to turn you in. The SEC had a lot of that going on, but they all realized in the end, as long as all of us are really, really good, this is probably good for everybody involved. But players, teams have been put on probation. But TCU got dinged. SMU got dinged. There might have been a time back in the day when Houston got dinged. a and uh, got dinged. So um, he, this, what we're seeing now is what got a lot of those schools and broke up a conference. Now you break up a conference because of tev- television, revenue, media rights, etc., cetera, uh, power, egos, logo. But back then, that's 40, nearly 40 years ago, had they had it, they would have weaponized it. Dennis Dodd, I yeah. thought that was the best tweet of the day so far. The SEC lives by the code of the mafia, though. Like, we'll, we'll handle it in-house. Like, we're not going to turn anybody in. We're going to handle it here. So that's that's what they do. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's what really it is. Put, I mean, like you know, it. they ha- like how many times do you hear about disputes between schools because they ha- they you know they happen, but you don't really hear about them as much because they they kind of handle it in house. They don't get as dark and sometimes uh, vicious as we have seen when it came to the S- Southwest Conference and in some cases even the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve. Like yeah. you don't like you wouldn't ever know about it. They keep it in house. For better or for worse, Craig, so. you remember. You're, I know you were just a little bit uh, aged that during that time, but you know the history of the Southwest Conference and uh, the fact that. How about SMU with a collective 1987? That would have been great. Yeah, is the point just that they would have been really good at it? Is that what the point of that was? Yeah, okay. no, they would have been great at it. Okay, they, like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. They would have weaponized it, man. Right. They, and even okay. Texas or whoever that always pointed the finger at somebody else because they were cheating. Uh, they would have done this because we see what those schools are doing now, and they could have done it 30-something years ago. And they would have done it and been ahead of the curve, ahead of everybody else, had they just said, okay, what we're doing, this is what we're going to do. Now, whether or not they would have won some of the, the decisions with the NCAA and lawsuits, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get that. I mean, I also don't think that uh, it's exactly the same, but I do I do see where he's coming from there. And, yeah, I mean, that at that time, if that had – uh, happened in conjunction with just the money flowing at that time period with the schools that it was flying with. And, yeah, maybe the Southwest Conference turns into the SEC in some ways. Uh, I, you know, at least it's a, 
alive still or it's got brands that are bigger than they are across the board than just having a couple who still this day are amongst the biggest brands. I mean, yeah, I mean, what if this happened and, and this happened and this happened, but what happened happened and here we are. And I, I just want the next thing to happen that moves us down the path of whatever college football is going to be moving forward. That's all I want to see now at this point. It I don't care about this yeah. lawsuit or that law. Just fast forward me to where sh- you can show me in what leagues everybody is in and under what management structure and what the rules are and you know please show me where there are some uh, rules in place about nil that everybody plays along with and that everybody knows and they're not retroactively punished for and that everybody can just be on the same page because i think the thing that drives me the most just nutty about all this is just the fact that so many people including myself from time to time. I still don't know what the hell is even going on half the time, like with some of these things. And it's just like, I don't think everybody's on the same page in any way, shape or form. And so it's just like conversations from here, there, everywhere. And everybody's talking all at the same time and not really speaking the same language. Although I think everybody's trying to get towards the same goal. And, and I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a lot of noise. And I know that Charlie Baker has gone to Capitol Hill to try and, you know, get a clear path forward. But I also know that politicians are not going to be focused on the NCAA starting, uh, well, a long time ago, but especially moving forward. Yeah. Just a few distractions on the horizon over the next year, especially, that is not going to put this on the forefront of their table. So, yeah, I, I could really do uh, without all of the legal stuff, but I understand the place and time we're in with the sport right now that there is a lot of that because a lot is changing and uh, I would just like to fast forward to that but I know that's not possible so Tennessee and Virginia fire the next salvo and uh, FSU's got their case with the ACC and so all these different things are are heating up but uh, when they all pop and we move on to whatever the next on the other side of all this looks like uh, please wake me up when we get there yeah I know you almost wish you could close your eyes go into a deep sleep and when you come back in a month or five or two years everything has been ironed out in some particular way Missouri expected to hire Houston defensive line coach Brian early this from Matt Zenitz who does a great job keeping up with the coaching carousel and more early uh, is somebody that has produced some really good players at Houston on the defensive line when Willie Fritz got the job Hogerson left well fired uh, early was someone that Fritz kept on his staff. In fact, a lot of the Houston fan base hoping that he did stay. He does. Willie Fritz is on the road. We've do- talked about that national signing day. Depends on what school you are, whether one or two players signed or 20 or 25 is next Wednesday. He now joins the University of Missouri. Okay, I, a lot of Houston fans on, were upset because they felt like they had Early's back during the transition. Ricky Stewart. Really talented running back. He's been recently in Austin. He's been in Waco, Chapel Hill High School. He and Demetrius Brisbane, who's a, a great quarterback athlete, both of them finished up. They've started three consecutive years for a really good program. He had been committed to SMU for a long, long time. Keaton Hall now at Baylor. And again, he's been to Austin, too. Uh, he now has decommitted from SMU. Not sure what that means, whether it's going to be something soon. Is it Baylor? Is it Texas? Is it somebody else? He no longer is an SMU commit. I mean, I only read that as good news for Baylor and obviously anybody else who's in the mix. You mentioned Texas. Uh, They can't take that as anything but good news when a guy backs out of his pledge that he's held for quite a while now. And that 
pledge to SMU did have a lot to do with Keenan Hall, as you mentioned. And so, yeah, if you're a Baylor fan, I think that you're pretty excited about the possibilities, what that could mean. I definitely have seen some sub-tweets from Keenan Hall over the past few days that are talking probably about a wide variety of prospects, but certainly you see the 903 and things like that. You know exactly who he's talking about. He's talking about the pair from Chapel Hill, and, and there's one of them right there. So, yeah, uh, they got a firsthand look at McLean Stadium with their playoff game a couple months back mm-hmm. on their way to going to play for state, and the state championship game did not go their way in any way, shape, or form, but uh, really talented players, and uh, I know Baylor's hard after them amongst others, so it would be interesting to follow their recruitment uh, whichever way it turns next all right uh, we will have the basketball scores from last night the schedule tonight a little bit later in the show also uh matt brown from extra points great news for him remember he said he would announce some uh, things we'll have that with him who he now is a part of moving forward one of our best segments when we discuss college football and business etc coming up we'll have uh, uh again after the schedule released yesterday We'll have UCF, Mark Daniels, Tony Caridi, West Virginia, Chris Lovell on Texas Tech, John Kurtz on K-State, Matt Tate on KU, and Craig Bull from the American Football Coaches Association, and more at just after 5 o'clock. This is 365 Sports. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Offering over 50 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, bar, silver sneakers, and 10 cycling classes with morning and evening classes available. New state-of-the-art bikes that allow you to compete against yourself with a screen monitoring your speed, miles, resistance, and power. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Botch, and Nathan Rowe where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow, losing inches in weight the right way. There's a kids' club included with your membership, plus sauna and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts, plus a beautiful stadium court, and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior pro Kenna. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake, and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at wacotennis.com next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. During the Start Something New sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco, get incredible deals on our entire inventory selection of new Ram trucks, Jeeps, SUVs, Chrysler sedans, or sporty Dodge. Shop in-store or online today and drive into 2024 with confidence and excitement. Let Kingo Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents, who are excited about serving you. Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. 
Our good friend Brad Boozer, Boozer's Jewelers here at 365 Sports. Now, Brad, uh, people who watch uh, and listen to our show know I'm a double-time customer for you, engagement ring and wedding band, and you guys do that great, but that's not all you do at Boozer's Jewelers. Absolutely. And uh, I always like to say, you know, it's a new year. It's a great way to start the year out. Uh, go through your old jewelry. Go through your wife's jewelry box. Go through anything you're maybe not wearing, something that's broken, something that you're not using. We do a, a massive amount of custom work. We can take your old jewelry, old diamonds, old watches, and we can convert it into something special for you and make a one-of-a-kind piece of jewelry. Uh, and if that's not something you're interested in, uh, a great thing is we can turn that into cash. So we buy gold. We buy diamonds. We'll buy Rolex watches any kind of heirloom jewelry, anything that's maybe passed down to you. Boozer's Jewelers, where do they find you, Brad? We're at 1025 North Valley Mills Drive, right on the corner of Lake Air Drive and Valley Mills with the big clock on the corner. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming. Warm. Welcome home. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Mark Daniels, voice of UCF, will join us momentarily. Tony Caridi, West Virginia, will also join us. Tony was also uh, texting me back and forth earlier in the week about uh, the Foster Pavilion. We'll have him on today at uh, in about 15 minutes or so. But Mark Daniels, voice of UCL, UCF Athletics Hall of Famer, joins us on 365 Sports. In fact, UCF at home tonight against Baylor. We will get to that soon. Mark, thank you with Craig and Paul. David Smoke, what was the reaction overall, you think, when it comes to what UCF has with their football schedule? Well, I think a lot of joy among UCF fans because of how attractive the home schedule is. Last year, UCF uh, played five uh, conference road games, four uh, you know, at home in its first year, and only six overall games. So to get seven back home this year, obviously an attractive non-conference game at Florida. Uh, and then just to you know, see some of the brands that are going to be coming to uh, Orlando, very exciting for UCF fans, both at the start of the Big 12 schedule, certainly at the back end of the Big 12 schedule. UCF fans have always loved a, a Black Friday game, which for years we've played against in rival South Florida. So to get a Black Friday game back again is exciting. So overall, it's just been a, a you know a high level of interest and looking forward to a lot of fans saying, all right, how, how do I start booking my flights and start planning my trips? Mark, UCF has to travel the furthest of anybody in the Big 12, but as kind of a reward, the most of the people that are traveling to UCF 
that's their longest trip. So the, the amount of distance traveled to Orlando is going to be, so do you think that kind of works out uh, like maybe cancel each other out the, with the travel distances that each side will have to do? Well, I got to tell you, uh, this travel schedule's nothing to what we just went through. Remember, guys, we went to Boise State this oh, yeah. year. We went to Kansas twice this year. So we went to Texas Tech. So uh, nobody did more mileage outside of uh, Hawaii than us this year in college football. So um, I don't think UCF looks at this as a big travel schedule. And I think as we discussed in the last year, I think for people that are traveling to Orlando, we kind of view us as uh, – as four-day weekend destination, and those that want to come in on Thursday and enjoy everything that we offer in Orlando, so hopefully they don't view it as a long taxing trip, but an exciting one uh, to come here. So, um, I, you know, I think UCF learned last year some of the challenges with travel. We're going through it in basketball now, but um, really, you take a look at next year. I don't think UCF feels like they're a challenge as far as uh, getting up on the plane. What kind of an adjustment or grind has that been for you, Mark? I mean, I know as a broadcaster, you're used to bouncing around, but uh, do you yourself, could you kind of feel the the extra miles on those legs uh, with the new schedules? Well, you know, I think in football, um, you know, that Boise trip came early, and, and, you know, then we went to Kansas a couple of times in uh, a month. And, and by the time you get to the end of the season, does it wear on you? Probably a little bit. I think sometimes we in the media may be magnified, as you guys know. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's tough on basketball when you're, you know, when you're, uh, you know, doing a, a four-hour flight. Like we chartered to Kansas State, you know, it's about what three and a half hours and so forth, and then you're flying back and you get home early in the morning. But you'd rather get home and staying over. I don't think it's as big of a challenge, particularly in football, because it's that one flight out and, and, and back, guys. We know it's the other sports that don't charter. That's the challenge where you're making a stop. You get a two hour layover, then you're flying again. Uh, and then the same thing on the way back. That's why I think it gets challenging for all of us. When you talk about those sports that don't have the benefit of chartering. Mark, uh, you know, there's no specific rivalries, Kansas, Kansas state, Kansas state, Iowa state, Baylor and TCU have one pretty good, but with Texas and Oklahoma now gone, there's going to be some new ones that develop. It, which one do you think that UCF, which one will be, in your opinion, the one that ends up being their go-to in-conference rival? Well, we tried in basketball, but that team's leaving the league. So. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Love it. Love it. You know, guys, I think that, um, it, you know, it will develop in time. It's something that we at UCF have been through a couple times now. I mean, you went to Conference USA, you went to the American, and you developed rivalries. You know, we had the regional rivalry, obviously, with California from a proximity standpoint. So I think it'll happen in time as you begin to play games that mean something towards the conference championship. If there are moments that happen, you know, that you remember that spark something, and then geographically, I think we'll learn how this conference begins to build its schedule because of what looks to be 16 for a while. Is Cincinnati and West Virginia going to be on our schedule every single year in football? Are we going to play them twice in basketball? Will the conference think about that when it comes to travel? Obviously, the more you play somebody, the better the chance you have to develop a rivalry there. I think UCF and Cincinnati in football did because of the uh, of the dominance of both schools towards the back end of our careers in the American. Other rivalries will just have to develop in time and you never know. Something may happen in a game that, that, that makes you go, wow, I can't wait until they play again. I think we're all kind of adjusting uh, to that, but look forward to, you know, matchups. I mean, Utah's coming here on a Black Friday. We have no history with them, but who knows what happens in a Friday game that may spark something in future years. But uh, I think that's all part of 
what we're going to grow in the next several years. I did quick research, but would I be correct in saying that of the four schools joining this year, that the only history UCF has is one game against Arizona State, and the other three would all be first-time-ever matchups? Uh, that would be correct. And uh, when we went to Arizona State, um, that was when we were in the MAC. And we went out, and uh, they said it hadn't rained in like 300 days in the Phoenix-Tempe area. Of course, Friday night, it was like the end of the world with a rainstorm. And we played on Saturday, and there was this there was this defensive end for Arizona State called Terrell Suggs. <laughs> and um, he, he destroyed our quarterback, Ryan Snyder, and broke a couple of his ribs. We had a bye week, then came back and played a short week for our first-ever back game at Marshall. And uh, Ryan gutted it out to get out there and played, and that was against a really talented Byron Leftwich Marshall team. He said hung around before falling late. Uh, so that's our memory of going out there to play Arizona State. Hmm. We'd like to think that we have a special relationship with uh, 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 the Phoenix Scottsdale area, playing a couple of Fiesta Bowls out there, yeah. not to bring up old wounds, but, uh, <laughs> you know, going out there twice. So our fans know the trip and hopefully are excited uh, for that trip. But you are correct. There's no other connection on the football field uh, between the schools. We played at Colorado basketball uh, years ago. We played at Arizona in a tournament years ago. But as far as football, Arizona State's the only one that we played. Mark, uh, is the excitement growing for K.J. Jefferson? Yeah, you know, there's no question about it. Um, guys, we're learning each year about how the transfer portal um, works, how it can change a roster, how schools identify needs, and um, – you know, it's interesting. UCF, who was very public, was, uh, you know, out there pursuing a few players. Uh, it was well noted and documented that Grayson McCall was uh, here at UCF. It was on a basketball game. He chose to go someplace else. And I mean, no disrespect to him, but, you know, maybe UCF was better off the, uh, uh, not getting Grayson and getting KJ Jefferson in the sense that he might fit Gus Malzahn's offense better than anybody else uh, that was out there. I've met KJ a couple of times. He's big. I mean, he, he's a legit 6'4, 250. Um, he loves the offense that Gus runs here. Gus obviously sold him on being like a Cam Newton-type player in, in, in the offense. Uh, I think he found it appealing. The players coming back, like R.J. Harvey, a couple of the wide receivers, some additions that UCF made in the offensive line. So I think Gus feels like he's got the perfect quarterback for the system that he wants to run. K.J.'s excited because he you know, wanted, I, I think, a fresh start and a new opportunity, and I think he feels like he can help UCF make that next step in the Big 12, and, um, you know, I, I think he's got some weapons around him. I thought UCF, from a defensive standpoint, guys, really addressed some of the needs that they had coming through the year of the Big 12. We talked about during the season, you learn about the quality and size of linebackers and safeties, and, you know, UCF went hard on that linebacker side, found some guys that have started at P5 programs, led the team in tackles, team captains. So I think they felt like they upgraded there, the offensive line uh, as well. You know, uh, UCF was among the most aggressive and active teams in the Big 12 and in the country in the portal. Now does it pay off? I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right, tonight UCF at home against Baylor. Baylor's on a three-game losing streak, three games down to the wire. Obviously, you mentioned that win against uh, Texas and Austin. Uh, your thoughts where UCF is now as they host the Bears who are in the top 20 but hanging on by a thread? Should be a great environment. UCF's last three home games. Uh, drawn uh, t- uh, the first two over 9,000 years, sellout, uh, sellout for Kansas, very close for uh, BYU, and, and, and just about 9,000 for West Virginia. Expect a similar crowd tonight 
uh, great respect for Baylor. Obviously, as you mentioned, they've lost three heartbreaking basketball games. So UCF doesn't view them as a team that's really struggling. Uh, we were undermanned at Cincinnati, missing two starters. We may be out those two starters again tonight. So it's going to be a real challenge. But UCF's going to have to play great defense, uh, depending on who you look at. Their top 10 defensive team efficiency, the way they uh, defend people. They'll have to defend really, really well tonight to try to slow down the number one offense in the Big 12. So if UCF's going to win a game, it might have to be in the 60s, low 70s, the way uh, Baylor plays. They'll need to get the crowd involved early and have some guys play uh, maybe a little bit above what you expect from an offensive standpoint and some of those role players. But Johnny Dawkins' team in all seven conference games, UCF, they're three and four. You know what the record is. They played hard in six of those seven games defensively. The Kansas State uh, opener, they just were a bit overwhelmed. But every other game, they've been able to match the physicality of the game. They've been able to defend well. You just got to get some shots to fall. They've learned in this league every single night. It's such a grind, such a physical game. It's awesome. UCF fans love it. We're learning what you guys know, why it's the best conference in the country. And it gets no easier for anybody. UCF's got four straight ranked teams coming up. We got Baylor tonight, Oklahoma on Saturday. Go to Texas Tech. Go to BYU. And you know what? Won't have it any other way. It's awesome. Thank you, Mark. Good luck tonight. Mark Daniels, voice of UCF Athletics with us on 365 Sports. Baylor at 6 o'clock tip against UCF. Coming up, Tony Caridi. He covers West Virginia. Later on, Chris Lovell, Matt Tate, John Kurtz, and more. And this is 365 Sports. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and in downtown Waco. Look, I have a gift certificate um, that I need to go use. I'm going to use it as soon as we get back uh, from Vegas. Uh, I've got to replenish my stock and best place uh, to go for craft whiskeys and craft bourbons. That is my thing. I'm a whiskey aficionado, a connoisseur, a man about town, uh, and I... uh, Love just trying new stuff. And when I want to go find something new and different I haven't tried before, it's Riverbend Liquor and Wine that I go to. Uh, I use the Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street location, and they always have great displays, great new things. Uh, somebody's always said, hey, uh, we just got this in. Uh, why don't you try that? Their expertise is second to none. They're absolutely fantastic. A speedy drive through window, all that. You've heard about me talk about that for years since we've been doing this show. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, now with two locations to serve you. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Don's Humidor, you're home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley. Don Schumanor in the Talmud Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco.
Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets, sirloin steaks, bone-in ribeyes, boneless ribeyes, and even prime rib. Cut specifically the way you want, the thickness that you want. They're all delicious. They have Norwegian salmon, mahi-mahi, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey, variety of cheese, and several options of sausage and even regular jalapeno or cheese snack sticks. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, and ground beef, marinated beef or chicken fajitas, and always large briskets and tri-tip available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and tradition continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, a full-service butcher shop and bakery, open Monday through Saturday. The Bauer family, Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. So, Garrett, we're waiting on Tony Caridi, West Virginia, voice of West Virginia Athletics. Basketball games tonight. We mentioned Baylor at UCF. That game's on ESPN Plus. And then also at 6 o'clock tonight, Cincinnati is in Morgantown against West Virginia. Tony, of course, will have the call. Mark Daniels will have the call of the previous game. Both games television are on ESPN Plus. One game from last night of note Georgia Tech stunned number three North Carolina. And then Oklahoma hammered K State. Oh, Kansas hammered Oklahoma State. Paul was worried about that one. No need to by 29. And then uh, Texas Tech had on top of the conference. Well, TCU is red hot right now. And they had been in their little funk winning 85-78. TCU now with wins against Baylor and Texas Tech. Texas Tech drops to 5-2 and two in the Big 12. Yeah, the Kansas result, Paul's fake worry, uh, oh, all, notwithstanding, uh, was a no-brainer that that was going to be that type of a result. And then kind of good, I mean, sorry, Tech fans, but just for the interest of the league, good to see somebody jump up and, and hand Texas Tech a loss as well. So a good win there by the Frogs. And then, yeah, Jerome Tang taking the blame. I saw him on Twitter of, like, that's, that's my fault after the game was over with in that loss to Oklahoma at home in it, Manhattan. So. It has not been as smooth as it was a year ago. And uh, obviously, remember, they had their best player leave uh, with uh, decisions by the university. Tony Carini, voice of West Virginia, and we will get into Tony, and I will get into the Foster Pavilion momentarily. What a great text back and forth we've had the last two or three days. Tony, thank you for your time. What, uh, in your overall thoughts, uh, the uh, feedback on West Virginia's 2024 Big 12 football schedule. Uh, personally, I like it a lot. Uh, the way it breaks up, you play four, you have a break. You play four, you have a break. You play four, and the regular season is over. Um, there is 
no, you know, unfair back-to-back road games. We do have that happen once, but we've got a buy-in between that and seven home games. So not a lot to complain about at all. Tony, uh, it is one of the tougher schedules, I think, in the country, though. But did last year maybe put fans at ease that, you know, when it looked at the beginning of the schedule with not knowing, you know, how this team was going to be, uh, the way that they came through at 8-4, and four, does, it, does it put fans more at ease that they handled it last year and they've got more experience now coming back? Yeah, I, I think, Paul, what happened was we went into last season and it was one of those – who knows which way this thing is going to go. And we talked about the fact that West Virginia is one of the few teams in the country that plays um, 11 power five teams. And we're going like, Oh boy, what's going to happen here. But they found their way. Um, they finished three and one in that first month of the season, which includes the road trip uh, to Penn state. And they beat Pitt here. Uh, they beat Texas tech to start lead play. And they got out of the thing at three and one. And that really shifted it. And then they, they played, you know, they, they, they did a nice job. So the, the, short, the long answer to your short question is that I think the perception of the program uh, from a fan's perspective has shifted. You get the bowl victory as well. So you have a ninth win, and you've got returning guys that are going to be playmakers uh, on the offensive side of this football, and defense should be solid. And so I think you go at it now this year and say, okay, we don't have to go to Penn State. And they come here for the first time in eons. And – that pit game is, to be quite honest with you, it almost is a quasi, dare I say, home game because West Virginia literally brings thousands and thousands and thousands of fans uh, to Pittsburgh. So it's as good as you can do with with having to play, um, you know, the, the two power fives out of your three in non-league play. Tony, we were just talking a little while ago about Big 12 and rivalries, and, and they're obviously protecting just a less than a handful of them and, and hoping that others will – kind of get going. I know that's been sort of hard for West Virginia over the years, being almost on an island by themselves. And I know the history with Cincinnati is not like, you know, you guys were playing year after year after year for decades and all of that. But to play them last year, did that, you know, ignite a little something that uh, playing them again this year maybe starts a, a little bit of a back and forth there that could be of interest? Yeah, I think perhaps it's going to be more of a geographic rivalry than it is going to be an emotional rivalry. Gotcha. If you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think, I think rivalries are oftentimes the byproduct of something that happens that isn't nice. And I, you've got that obviously with over a hundred years with Pitt, but I do think you have to have, a, for example, uh, West Virginia's rivalry with Syracuse is, you know, decades and decades, but we had a fight against them in 92 that led to some ejections that were just totally um, unnecessary that cost West Virginia the game. Syracuse went right after the safety the very next game, and they win the game. And I mean, like, around here, that's like that game happened two weeks ago. <laughs> you, need to have, you need to have that. And I'll tell you another one. Although we're not going to play them anymore, Oklahoma uh, in basketball here a couple weeks ago, they beat West Virginia, and – at the end of the game, you know, the student section started singing, hey, that's fine. That's how West Virginia ended. At Lloyd Noble. Well, you can imagine. Like, that pees, that pees people off because that comes from the university. So, had they stayed, then that would have been frothed up even more. So, Cincinnati, geographic rival, uh, UCF geographic rival but we need to have some stuff 
off the side in order to make it like a true don't like them, they don't like us. Tony, how would you grade what Ren Baker has done in his time as AD there? To this point, superb. He has, you know, he'll be the first to tell you that the thing that he thought he would have to handle was the Neil Brown situation, and he's really happy he didn't have to do anything uh, with Neil Brown. That's one. Two, um, he navigated through what we're dealing with right now, and this is this basketball situation, Mm -hmm. which all began last May uh, with Bob Huggins, and in a matter of six weeks there were two situations that eventually led to his forced resignation. And we're in an interim status uh, right now. And it's, you know, this season. uh, Josh Eilert, the interim coach, um, has been given this team. The roster got blown up in June. It only was returning 10% of its offense. He's been coaching this team with two hands behind his back. Uh, You guys follow this stuff closely. You know, it took a federal court ruling in December in order to get two of our guys eligible. We lose Jesse Edwards, one of the premier big men in the country, to a broken wrist. He just came back last Saturday against Oklahoma State. Our other point guard, Kirk Carissa, sat out the nine games because of an NCAA suspension. So you can't make up what we've gone through in basketball. So Ren is going to have to do something, obviously, uh, in the next couple of months as the season comes to an end. On the other side of it, he hires a women's basketball coach and Mark Kellogg from Stephen F. Austin, who's now 18 and two. And that is an extremely bright future in women's basketball. He just made a great hire in women's volleyball with the PAC 12 imploding. He went out and got Washington state's coach who had gone to eight consecutive NCAA tournaments. So he's done everything that he can do. The populace has embraced him because he's embraced the populace and fans really like them. So, so far, so good. Another long answer to your short question. All right. You have a game tonight, in fact, at home against Cincinnati. You, uh, of course, and I have talked about the Foster Pavilion. Mac Rhodes was on with us yesterday. Uh, Craig asked him about the pros and cons of the pavilion, which I've been inside of it. It is really a very unique and special place. But there has been chatter about the view of the <laughs> camera. And leading the way is Tony Caridi of West Virginia. I mean, with all due respect, with all due respect, I turn it on and I'm fired up to see this new arena. I never had any inclination whatsoever. What actually what I was able to do is diagnose all the pre-mal-pattern baldness that's going on between both teams. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I had to, I, I mean, by the second media timeout, I went and took a Dramamine. I had to reload again at halftime. I mean, what are we doing? What, I mean, at some point, at some point when someone was walking around with the blueprint, when they're putting that thing together, did anyone ever stop and go like, and the camera at midcourt's going to be where? Yeah. Well, Tony, that's the thing. They, we had Scott Drew on the show the week that they – well, we have him on it, but like we had him on that particular week and Craig asked him like, what do you think of it? He's like, well, we've only been in there two days before their first game. So the coach had only been in there two times before the thing was open. So because they, they went so fast in this and it's not completely done anyway, there were a lot of things that there was well, no walk around Mac, for in their kind of Mac Rhodes yesterday. He, Craig asked the question, Mac Rhodes said that he understands the concerns it can't be fixed overnight. There's a couple of tweaks they've done already, but it will be addressed without a doubt. 
during the offseason, and I sent you a text to make sure you knew that. <laughs> well, I knew this. I knew there was one man that could fix it. I knew it'd be you. Well, I mean, I just one guy, one guy that could do it. Now, I kid because I love, but that was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. That was old school Oklahoma State view, and I yes. never liked that either. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's, it's going to be taken care of. We appreciate you, Tony. I know you got a game to get ready for tonight. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck. All right, guys. You take care. Tony Caridi, voice of West Virginia. I sent him a note. Hey, can you join us on whatever Wednesday? Because that's when the, the the release of Tuesday worked it out. First thing he said to me, what in the world? And and so we have updated breaking news for him from yesterday with the Mac Rhodes interview. By the way, the segment with Mac, we do it. It's up all over the place. And then Craig also then transcribed it and has that up on the premium section. No, I don't. Oh, I thought, <laughs> a, you, I thought a, you did. A robot does. No, uh, definitely not transcribing all of that. Um, I usually have a bit of a recap. Oh, for, I'm sorry. The, yeah. the interview went up on the site. The actual video audio from yesterday, yeah. it's up in the premium I section. I'm sorry. I haven't had an three, opportunity to go and write the article yet. So, yeah, I'm still in the progress of, process of right. doing that. But we, We've had him on for a lengthy amount of time. Yesterday was probably 20, 22 minutes. And Craig, you used to do every week. You do that, yeah. And it became too much. I mean, it's just it, it becomes a little bit too tedious after a while. And uh, I'm just a completionist, so I want to make sure that everything's in there. And I mean, transcribing probably would have been easier, honestly, because you just repeat what was said, and I'm sitting there trying to make sense of what was said. That's what takes the longest part of what to pick and choose from. And uh, yeah, that's when interviews are like twenty plus minutes long. That's it's a pretty long article if you're not careful. So, yeah, that's uh, one that's in the works right now just to kind of take the meat of it uh, about the arena and, and those types of topics. And that'll be up for the people who want to read it uh, probably tomorrow, I think. Um, and for those who want to listen to it, though, or watch it, that's that's up right now on the website. Am I a completionist, Paul? Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you, you very much. You very rarely don't get something done. No, I, I, I got five projects. I can't wait till hopefully by the end of tomorrow night I can just sit there and breathe course we have this trip going to vegas that we've been forced to go and the, cover the, the super bowl the apple doesn't fall far from the tree in that in that regard yeah, there are no, some things I, craig, you, craig i'm telling you i've sent him things to do for the website that we own uh smoky.com and um i mean it is it if there's anything that's like off he will tell me yeah it, it's no. it's he's very in a very good way very good about it and sometimes when i write a letter i need him to look at it it is uh Woo! Look, some days I think the only thing you guys have in common is your last name, and other days I can see uh, yeah. where you do have uh, common uh, traits. But yeah. I think that's that thing's is for most parents and children. Yeah, you you don't want to be the same. No, right? no. I know he doesn't want to be me, and uh, he's great at what he does. All right, when we come back, we have much more to get to, including Chris Lovell on the Texas Tech schedule, Matt Tate on KU. Uh, by the way, Garrett, he is now, I don't know if you saw that, Wave the yep, Wheat I got that. is where he now works. He was a part of the, what was it, the the, the journal up in uh, Kansas in Lawrence. Uh, also, Paul's top five around the corner, Craig Bull from the AFCA. We interested to hear his thoughts about all of these lawsuits going on, but just the AFCA in general. What are coaches going to do about all this? And then uh, John Kurtz on K-State. And this is 365 Sports. Ideal. MRI in the Central Texas Marketplace, idealmri.com. And it is a place that can find out, get evidence for you. If your doctor suggests because of whatever pain it might be, uh, it could be in your back, your neck, your knee, your hip, wherever it is, and it's more than just 
something that maybe a couple of Advil will take care of or just maybe it's going to go away. But if it's pretty serious and it, at times you can't sleep well and you need an MRI, your doctor suggests you get an MRI, Ideal MRI in the Central Texas Marketplace in Waco, just off I-35, is a great place to get the evidence. Their state-of-the-art technology MRI machine is going to get what videos, images, whatever your doctor needs. It's going to get that done. Also, the Texan specialist is going to make that experience really simple, very comfortable, and they will get what you need back to your doctor. Also, on top of that, those up front will make sure that your appointment is scheduled. You're not going to wait long when you get there. And, uh, oh, by the way, they'll go out of their way to make sure that your MRI experience is fantastic. IdealMRI.com. $497 is also a key. That's how much it's going to cost you. Not $1,100, which is the average of an MRI. $497 or less every single time. Great business. IdealMRI.com. Want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. Pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy, and, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here, too. They really love the treasure box. <laughs> Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more stonewood-dental.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student-athletes through NIL activations. The program helps student-athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL fund baylorbears.com slash gxg contributions to support nil activations through gxg can be made at baylorbears.com slash gxg for more information
information, follow at GXG underscore Green X Gold on social media and visit the official website www.gxg.startupwaco.com. GXG, empowering student-athlete entrepreneurship and uplifting the local economy through NIL activations. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Texas Tech sideline reporter, RedRaiderSports.com, Chris Level, joins us on 365 Sports. Chris, thanks for your time as always. The uh, schedule came out on Tuesday. Everybody's got a reaction to it. What, in your opinion, has been the overwhelming theme out of Lubbock? Well, you know, football schedules are like uh, recruiting classes. Everybody loves theirs, right? Yeah, that's right. No, I I, I, uh, I saw, you know, Joey was at the, the Tech basketball game in Fort Worth last night. We had a brief chance to talk and we kind of have the same thought process in that, um, you know, your, your uh, four of your first five are at home. Uh, five of your first seven are at home. That's probably the, the thing that you look at that just jumps out at you, the, uh, you know, initially. Um, everybody's got these two bye weeks, which I think is great. I think it's good for all, all parties. It's good for the folks that, that are covering it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good for the players spacing it out. Um, all those things. So I really like the it kind of extended calendar a bit now that you're st- everybody's kind of starting in August. But yeah, the the loaded the the front end home portion I think is what uh, jumps out at me at first because Texas Tech and the and, and Joey's first two years, it's all been how it's it's been about how well you finished and you've started kind of slower out of the gates than I think he would obviously prefer. And so maybe this year, based on the way it looks on paper anyway, it's not obviously played on paper, but uh, maybe, maybe you have a, a chance to get off to a hot start. Um, what do you think about their between-the-buys stretch of Baylor, TCU, Iowa State, Colorado? Yeah, there's uh, there, there's the, the back-to-back road trips. I think Fort Worth and Ames is a, is a tricky uh, you know little stretch right there. But, yeah, that's – that's where you'll because you know I, I mentioned the, the the first home games and and it, these are all a lot of these are the new schools so it's kind of like when you look at it on paper it's like you, I mean you play Washington State in the non conference then you play I think Arizona State Arizona and Cincinnati and then it's it, you get the portion that you just mentioned other than Colorado it's kind of like old home week although I guess Colorado can be kind of thrown in there from the old the, the original part of the Big Twelve so they, yeah that's where. I think that the fans get a little more energized and there's a little more familiarity and, and all those things. And that's where, you know, we, we start to get really serious about the conference race and all those things. But it's that it's that back-to-back weeks where you, you go to Fort Worth and Ames. And, I mean, last time I was in Ames, it was a bit later in November and it was zero degrees. Like, there were no degrees to be found. I mean, it was <laughs> – no I'm degree. drinking – I'm drinking chicken broth on the sideline. I mean, I, I mean, it was even too cold for the Iowa State fans. So when I I knew that you were going to play at Iowa State, I'm thinking, please don't give you the the, the late November, you know. And I've already looked. It's it's on average 58 degrees to 34 degrees is the window uh, on November the second for Ames, Iowa. So I'm going to hope it's closer to the 58 than the 34. Man, I'll take it. 
Uh, Chris, when the four new schools join, I guess there's a little bit of a history. Hit or miss there with uh, Texas Tech and some of those schools. I know they played Arizona State just a few years ago. It's been a little while against Arizona. But of those four, there's the obvious old Big 12 connection with Colorado. But do you foresee any of those becoming uh, an interesting partner in the Big 12 or, or perhaps a rivalry? Is there any history there that could get interesting? Yeah, you know, the, the two Arizona schools, you know, way back in like the – Geez, I, I may have be wrong on the decade, but like the 40s or 50s, I, I think Tech used to be in a conference there on the schools, the Porter huh. Conference. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of people, you know, you know, realize that. But you, you've actually played both Arizona and Arizona State fairly recently. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this: this is how long Alan Bowman's been in college. Alan Bowman got hurt uh, playing at the University of Arizona. <laughs> Um, in either his first or second year uh, in Tech, I guess. Um, and, and he's coming back, and you'll see him on the schedule this next year playing for Oklahoma State, his third school. Um, but, yeah, I, I think those two, you know, there, there's some – I mean, because proximity-wise, they're they're fairly close, you know, especially considering the, some of the other schools. But, you know, the, the whole Phoenix area is fairly close to Lubbock when you look at – uh, everybody else, you know, comparatively. Um, and so there's always been, I think, a mutual interest in playing basketball and football with these schools. You played them both in basketball, home and homes and things like that in, in the last 10 years. But I, I think that's uh, that's an interesting stretch. And in Colorado, I mean, that, that's more of a big eight, Yep. Um, you know, and all that. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I think everybody's excited about Dion and that whole deal coming to town, and that'll be a – a hot ticket in Lubbock as it will be for everybody with all the pomp and circumstance that comes with that. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, look, this isn't, this isn't the original big 12. We all get it, but it's, it's the best of what everybody could put together. And I'm, I'm excited about it. I choose to be optimistic about it. 1932 to 1956, Texas tech was in the border conference and you're right. Uh, Texas uh, tech and Arizona, Arizona state. Uh, and those two have a pretty good history from way back. So, Joey, year one, lots of excitement because he takes over. Uh, year two, the hype was even higher because of how they ended year one. And then last year, of course, they ended decent, uh, strong uh, with Joey again. So what's the level on a scale of like one to ten compared to last year entering this year? Yeah, you know, he, he's not going to – I don't think, you know, he's not going to talk up this team like he did last year. I think that – uh, it, it'll be about keeping your quarterback healthy, um, you know. And, and but I, I think there'll be some expectations with this team. I mean, they're not going to be picked to win the conference or anything like that. Now, granted, they weren't last year either. But I think that'll be Arizona and Oklahoma State and some others. But I, I think that he really, again, like most, uh, he really liked the portal class that they brought in. Um, they brought in a lot of old guys uh, up front and at tight end and. Um, you know, they get a, a really good running back back in Taj Brooks that may not be the best in the league, but he's going to be in the very short conversation of, of best backs in the Big 12. It's fascinating how things go in cycles. Oh, yeah. All these running, all these running backs, Devin Neal and Ollie Gordon, and, and you know, I mean, Cincinnati's got a thousand yard rusher coming back. It's just wild how it kind of goes in cycles. And we used to know every quarterback's name and all these receivers. Now it's running backs and running the football and kind of almost old school. So, uh, but, yeah, there, there's some excitement, uh, I, I think, for sure. And, you know, I mean, winning a bowl game in back-to-back years hadn't been done. You know, he's back-to-back, you know, had winning records in the league, which had not been done since Mike was here. So, 
while it wasn't what they had hoped, there was some tangible progress in this program and consistency that they've shown. But he's he's not, you know, and he will tell you, he's not about being six and six. This isn't what he signed up for. It's not what anybody wants. It's not what he's okay with. And so, yeah, they'll 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 try to push forward and see if they can't, you know, push this thing even further. Do you expect him to maybe change? Because the the two years, I mean, they've been just wrought with quarterback injuries. Maybe what they're doing on the offensive line a little bit because, I mean, it's just me, outside observation. Like, that's kind of the, the connective tissue to why all the quarterbacks keep missing time. Yeah, you know, they, they have been average on the offensive line. And, and you know, some of the injuries, you, you could maybe point to that. But some of them, it's just like fluke stuff, you know, like, Tyler Shuck a couple of years ago diving into the end zone, you know, scoring a touchdown in Austin, and he breaks his collarbone. It's just the way he fell, and he and it's a two-yard zone read. Like everybody runs, you know, Shuck last year when he got hurt, he's just in the pocket, and and Baron Morton got hurt with his AC joint, and he's just being flushed from the pocket. Like and so he's just scrambling, rolling right, um, not a ton of pressure, and and he lets it go a little bit later than he should have. It gets landed on, and you know away we go. But they they admittedly to your point, they they must get better on the offensive line. I mean, and I think they knew it. They've been just too average there in back to back years, and they they hit the portal hard there. You know, they added uh, you know a Toledo senior and a Memphis senior, and you know a big time junior college kid that USC wanted, and some other folks. And so that you know that they they needed to change that room quite a bit. Um, and until they do, and until that is really consistent, they, they're not going to be what they want to be ultimately, you know, and that's just the, the, the way it's going to be. Um, but, you know, and some of this is just dumb luck, man. It's like when Mike was here back in the 2000s, they had like a year of like six or seven where they had a quarterback start and finish every single game. They've been on a streak now, and everybody's seen it, and really since it's been Mahomes you know, left here, you, you, you've started not just two, but three guys in, in the season. And you just, you have a hard time winning that way. Bottom line, you just, I don't care who's calling the plays, what play is called, what is around them. When, when you're sending an 18 year old kid, uh, you know, to BYU on a Saturday night, trying to win a football game, that's a lot to ask. And, you know, they, they've had to do too much of that in the last, you know, three to seven years. And it's, it's just kind of caught up with them a little bit, but until you keep, somebody healthy there and they made a conscious effort to go add somebody in the portal there didn't graduate any quarterbacks uh, you do lose shut to to the portal and, and all that he's got one more year but you, you have a high you know big time signee and will hammond but they went and found a, a d2 kid just to add into the mix to create some more depth there just in case because this is the way it goes around here chris when you were sitting there doing games and Patrick Mahomes was doing his thing for Texas Tech. Uh, did you have any idea you were watching one of the greatest football players to ever play? And we still don't know just how great he will be when all is said and done, but just incredible to get back to the Super Bowl once again. I know that with the brand switch that he's a part of that with Adidas and what Texas Tech's going to be do, doing moving forward. So I guess kind of two parts. Did you have any idea of his greatness at that time and, and the levels of it? And uh, also just is there any way to even um, – put a number on the amount of good that Texas Tech gets from having a guy like Patrick Mahomes and, and just the brand that he has become? Well, the, the, yeah, the answer is no. Nobody nobody saw this. I don't, I don't I, you know, from Cliff or anybody that tells you, oh, yeah, I knew he was destined for just like, I mean, the face of a league. I mean, that that's, that's kind of once in a generation type stuff uh, for these players. When he was here, 
he was freakish. He did a lot of crazy things of no look. Um, he scrambled around and throw it up to Jakeen Grant. And you're like, how did he do that? You know, the, the, the game with, with Baker and, and that OU when they get into the 60s and 70s. And it's, you know, but the defense was bad here. It's well documented how, you know, it's like, how did they not win more games with him at quarterback? Well, the defense was just really, really bad. Um, and he felt like he had to score every time. But to answer your question, no. no nobody nobody would have seen this. Um, I knew – I knew that this was a this was a different deal when the NFL folks were basically suggesting, you know, in the middle of his junior year, like, man, he might be first round. And I'm thinking, like, wow, like, really? Like, is this what we're doing here? And then after that year, it's like, hey, man, I'm not coming back. You know, he's going to declare. And I thought, guys, he made a mistake. You know, and I mean, obviously, no, he didn't make a mistake. He was picked, like, what, 10th or 11th by the Chiefs. They traded around. And, and he's a small corporation. I mean, there's no – I can't even imagine, and, and, and people are starting to get tired of that story and the, the Kelsey and the Taylor Swift stuff, and the Chiefs have been so good. So it won't be long before there people try to find more and more negatives there because they've been, what, they've been in the NFC, or excuse me, AFC Championship game in what, four or, four or five of the six years he's been the starter? I mean, kind of unprecedented. Uh, the MVPs, the Super Bowl wins, but Tech is trying to, They've got a great relationship with him, um, and he. This is his way of, I think, giving back. Is he? He's he was really involved in the Adidas deal. He's going to design a uniform as part of that. He he's making sure that Adidas gives to the collective uh, as part of this agreement. I mean, all the he feels like this is his way of like giving back to the university that gave him a chance. And Texas Tech is is very lucky to have somebody like him as an ambassador for sure. Chris, uh, the the basketball team five and two lost last night. TCU is very explosive. They're also very experienced. Grant McCaslin is never a question. He was going to be successful. It was just a matter of how it all will end up. How do they make, make I guess the the pie uh, really good? Uh, and and they're a grinder. He's a grinder. He wants to play defense. Your impressions on their first seven games in the Big Twelve. Love Grant. Uh, known him for a long, long time since he was here initially 20-something years ago. Uh, great guy and wants to win. And you're right. I mean, he is a grinder. Um, and they're, what, what I've appreciated or, I guess, respected this year is that this isn't like your, your, your typical Grant McCaslin team. You know, this isn't the grinded-out defensive team right. that he would ultimately want. And but these are the pieces that they kind of went to go find, and they've kind of changed who they are on the fly a little bit, and they're maximizing it, and that's a sign of a good coach. They're not. <laughs> the crazy thing is, in my opinion, they're not near as talented as they were last year. Okay, when you just talk pure talent, Jalen Tyson and Fardos and Bacho and all these guys, uh, Davion Harmon, they, they had more depth. There was some talent there. But it was a, a, a train wreck from a chemistry, selfish, just what are we on a night-in, night-out basis. And Grant has taken a, a, a slightly less talented group and is squeezing everything he can out of them, and they're going to be a tough out. They have big-time shot makers. Uh, they're not the biggest team, which is going to get them in some um, trouble, and they've lost one of their, their positionless guys in Devin Cambridge for the year, and that's going to hurt them big time. But what, what he's got, I mean, it's pretty fun to watch. And they just – I keep saying, man, I just don't know if they're that good, and yet they keep winning. And that's a, a prime example. Last night is the it's a bad matchup versus a long athletic team like TCU. And they still, 
you know, they, they were fighting till the end. It was a three-point game with, I think, 40 seconds to go, and then they, they miss a shot, and then they make some free throws, and it ends up being a seven-point loss. But um, I, I've been very impressed with, with what Grant's been able to do, and I think it's just a starting point here, but it's a good fit for him here. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it, Chris. Your time, Chris Level with us, RedRaiderSports.com. Football sidelines, does basketball games. As he mentioned, he was in Fort Worth last night, RedRaiderSports.com, with a lot about what's going on in the perfect timing today to get him on the show. Yeah, I didn't actually have that Patrick Mahomes question in my head originally, and then I I just, duh, I mean, what better time to ask about that than right now? And and we hadn't, I don't think, talked to him, or I remember the last time we talked to him, I intended to ask about the the whole crossover with Adidas and Patrick being a part of that. Sounds like it's going to be a really cool deal. If he's, like, designing uniforms and stuff, I think that's going to be – uh, really neat. So, yeah, a lot going on, but a lot of fun things to talk about there with uh, all the things that are going on right now. All right, uh, Patrick Mahomes, he was uh, – uh, Texas Tech kind of was, was – they're just kind of like floated during that time. He would put up 50-something, throw for five or 600 yards, and it was still not enough. Uh, that game with Oklahoma against Baker Mayfield, I think it was in company, is still one that goes down in forever, but that wasn't the only one like that. I think that he was a guy who we probably – could have, should have, did a little bit, saw some of that greatness. No no way, no way anybody, not even Andy Reid could have predicted being in four Super Bowls mm-hmm. already. I just, no, no way. But certainly the talent, he saw it, and, and others saw it too. But uh, just the, the way he had to wade through the ups and downs at Texas Tech, it did cloud some clear vision of just how great he was already and how great he, you know, could potentially be because we're just watching them lose. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's just empty yards. It's, you know, 500 yards. Who cares? They lost. And it kind of was like that. And that was also a time when the Big 12's offenses that are now all the rage across college football and the NFL in in some ways are being panned by Feinbaum and, you know, ESPN because it's – it's gimmicky football and it's it's they're not playing defense right and th- there's all these knocks on it and now they can't r- wait to run and slobber all over joe burrow and then mm. you know playing similar types of offense but back then it was like yeah so what gimmicky offense but they don't not winning games and they're not playing defense and so i think he got probably his performances got overshadowed a little bit by that and he got dinged and when it came to some of the awards looking back on it not that we should have awarded him the heisman but i think he should have probably had a lot more people kind of stop down at the time and go, damn, man, you look at the numbers he's putting up. Like, yep, they're not yeah. just crazy numbers. Like, they're insane numbers that he's putting up, despite the fact that he's got no defense yeah. around him. And it was Cliff King. Like, I think the thing that will keep Cliff Kingsbury uh, off of many people's head coaching radar, no matter what happens down the line with him as a coordinator places, is that he just does not play complimentary football with that offense i mean it was there was nothing he did like and of course i can get it like when you have patrick mahomes as your quarterback and you can throw for what you can like it's hard to like to rein that like do what you can it's hard to rein that in but they just again you're talking about getting a passable defense like not even a great defense a passable defense has you nine and three every year with the offense they're putting up you know one more stop a quarter like that was Look, that was what Phil Bennett was brought in to do when he came here to Baylor, and look what happened. They won conference titles because they needed someone who could figure out, look, this is never going to be, you know, this offense and, you know, 
LSU's defense in, you know, in 2003 that was just smothering. This isn't going to be that Auburn team with Cam Newton. It's not going to be that. But if you can get one more stop a quarter and maybe even two, like get a couple turnovers here and there, you can create a situation where you could be up by three scores late in the game and that gives you the buffer to withstand the fact that your defense is, is going to be a little bit gassed. And that's never what Texas Tech did. His junior year, he threw for 5,052 yards with 41 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. That was in 2016. I mean, that's just – and that's just passing. That's not to mention the, the, the running ability. Um, he had 12 touchdowns on the – so he ended up with 53 total touchdowns. I mean, yeah, I just – I think we look back on that now with hindsight, and I think we all appreciated how good he was, but clearly couldn't have predicted how great he really truly would be and yet I think that some of the numbers got lost in just the stereotypes of a Kingsbury offense and high-scoring games and, you know, not making a bowl game when you have that type of output. That's not going to make it look like it's all that substantial or great when the, the team itself is not even able to book a trip to the postseason. So, yeah, just uh, amazing what that all turned into what, and what, what that's become. What year was that, Craig? Is, uh, the year I just said? Yeah. 2016. Okay. Because in 2016, I went back to look at the Heisman Trophy, and, and obviously there's some Tech fans that believe that he should have been a part of the presentation. I agree. I um, mean, you look at those numbers, That's I agree well, with him, yeah. Lamar Jackson won it pretty easily by about 600 votes over Deshaun Watson. Baker Mayfield and D.D. Westbrook were third and fourth. Jabril, Jabril Peppers, Michigan. Jake Brown in Washington. Jonathan Allen from Tech, uh, Alabama. Deontay Foreman, who had a big year running back from Texas. Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Donnell Pumphrey, San Diego State. 2016 Heisman Trophy voting. So he, uh, I didn't have a vote back then. I'm not sure exactly who had voted, because it, but there's a lot of names on there. But I, 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 that's why I was wondering if it was 16 or 17 when he was a part of any kind of Heisman Trophy, but he never was invited to New York. No, he led the country in passing yards that year. He uh, was top five in passing touchdowns that year. He was um, top ten in uh, rushing touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, he, he was an absolute animal that year. And I think he got probably overshadowed a bit by Baker in the, in the Big 12 at least and just Oklahoma success because you know what the other number is from that season? For Patrick Mahomes and Texas Tech, or other numbers, five and seven. That's what their record, record was. Yeah, that's what so it, yeah. you can't have a guy in New York City winning the Heisman or even getting an invite when you can't even muster bowl eligibility. And so that dinged him as well. And that's what I mean when I keep referring to like the way that the stats are perceived. It's like 5,000 yards, guys. 50 touchdowns. I mean, rushing and like passing all put together over 50. Uh, that's insane. But, yeah, you look back on it now, and it doesn't seem like that's how it was at that time. I don't know what we were all distracted by. It was Baker and Oklahoma and Lamar Jackson, I guess, and, and various others. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's a guy who I don't think we, we quite understood how good he really was because – it wasn't out front and center all the time. Well, Mayfield that year threw for 3,965 yards, 40-something touchdowns. But, yeah, the 5-7 and seven hurts. Paul Horney, is that right, still to this day? Mm -hmm. uh, of course, also the glamour boy from Notre Dame, the only Heisman Trophy winner with a, on a losing record. That was back, I guess, what? maybe in the 50s or 60s when uh, Horning. What do you think the Bars did in, in New York that night? 
Paul Horning winning the Heisman. Yeah, they, they drank a little bit. Here's one yeah. of the things uh, about Mahomes is that at that time, it was still the, the perception of the Big 12 was very much the still with conferences now who have then accepted it was, well, they just, every game 55-45 or 55-50, including that game with Oklahoma. Mayfield had 550 yards or so, and I think seven touchdowns. And that wasn't so that, totally off base no, necessarily. No, it, yeah. it's not. And, and But you think about it, though, that year, uh, Lamar Jackson was really good. He didn't win it the second year. He was another guy that won it but didn't repeat. Mayfield involved in that. D.D. Westbrook, who's a kid from uh, Central Texas from Cameron Yo High School, had a monster year. I forgot that he was a part of actually the uh, contingent that was in New York City. But, yeah, there's still some that are a little bit. But the, the record during the time he was at Texas Tech uh, really did hurt him. And, and whether it should or not, that's debatable depending on who you ask. When we come back, Matt Tate, uh, KU, they're tearing down the stadium. I saw where today uh, the scoreboard, the big, huge scoreboard came down. Also, his thoughts about KU's schedule. Man, you feel like a lot of momentum with KU and Lance Leipold. Uh, also, we'll check in with his thoughts about KU and the Jayhawks in men's basketball. Paul thought they would struggle. Oklahoma State, 83-54 win against uh, the, the Fighting Stillwaters. It was just a ridiculous look, comment from you yesterday. Uh, look, I was no. just worried that they might and that my night would be ruined. No, you know, it had nothing to do with that. It has everything to it do with It was a that. very biased comment. You take sports too seriously. Yes. I mean, look, I I really don't. I just know that, like... You were worried about a game that was a 29-point game. Yeah. Against a what, bad you, team. Do you see what my life is? You see what I have to worry about? Whose fault is that? I mean, please say, I make please, my choices. Please, please say whose fault it is. I, I make my choices. All right, there you go. I make my choices. All right, all right, when we come back, Matt Tate. Around the corner, Craig Bull, AFCA Executive Director, his first full week on the job. And his office right here off of I-35 in Waco, and this is 365 Sports. So it's about to be a new month, new incentives, new discounts. Ted Teague, the general manager and also CEO of Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. And, man, I, I still, uh, when I see a Wagoneer, whether I'm filling up my tank of gas, uh, if I'm sitting there uh like driving down the road, whether it's on the highway or elsewhere, and I drive, I guess, by or near a Wagoneer, I'm like, damn, that's an alpha. Uh, I uh, released my high school football all-Central Texas team earlier today. Thanks, Garrett Ross, for being one of the voters, by the way. And uh, later in the week, East Texas, and we have MVP, offensive MVP, defensive lineman of the year, all of that. But one of the titles of a superlative is Alpha Dog. That is like the dude, the alpha dog. Uh, and, and that's what the Wagoneer is. I drove it, the uh, 4x4 2024 version. The space inside of that car, in, is it a car? Is it an SUV? Is it a truck? Is it an airplane? It's amazing. And all the amenities you'd ever want from the display screen, what it can do with your seats, if it's too warm or it's too, co- too, too cold outside, it's fantastic. And the cargo... You can seat eight people comfortably, three rows, and then behind the third seat, there's still room for you to put what you want, groceries or luggage, golf clubs for me. It is a fantastic vehicle and also available at Allen Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Ted Teague, the owner and general manager, Loop 340, east of 84 in Waco. 
With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Thank you for calling your local Marco's Pizza. We're turning up the heat with our new Reaper Cheesy Bread. Fresh, house-made dough is topped with a spicy cheese blend infused with jalapeno, habanero, and Carolina Reaper peppers. At only $5.99, this limited-time product is a hot deal. Add it to your order while you can. A Marco's team member will be with you shortly. Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. And that offer on the Reaper Cheesy Bread is available right now at any of the five Marco's Pizza locations in Waco, including Bell Mead, Chida Spring, Robinson, Woodway and Hewitt. Order online at Marcos.com. Call for a pickup or delivery. Marcos Pizza is turning up the heat with their all-new Reaper cheesy bread with fresh, hot, house-made dough topped with a spicy cheese blend infused with jalapeno, habanero, and Carolina Reaper peppers and only $5.99 and for a limited time only. Marcos Pizza, the fastest-growing pizza brand in America, five locations in Waco, and the new Reaper cheesy bread. Marcos Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Matt Tate has covered KU for a long, long time. Wave the wheat covering KU athletics. He joins us on 365 Sports with Paul Craig. I'm David Smoke. Uh, Matt, thank you very much. Who came up with that name? Uh... You know what? That's a good question. I, I, so the president of the company is a KU graduate, and I've been with them since May. And uh, we launched the site in July, right before Big 12 Media Day. So, uh, you nice. know, I have to think the president of the company being a KU guy had to be his idea. When I, in fact, when I first heard it, I was kind of like, ah, eh, I don't know. You know, it's, yeah, I mean, I live in Lawrence, and I've lived here for 
150 years, so I've heard <laughs> it so many times. But then it kind of grew on me, and it rings a little bit, and it's obviously very recognizable for KU fans and all that. So yep. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. It, it. it works. All right, so KU, I saw the video, uh, the, the big scoreboard being taken down. They're going through the renovation. They're going to play games at Arrowhead and elsewhere. What was the – and we'll get to KU basketball, but what was the, react, the reaction to KU's schedule when it came out yesterday? Oh, my goodness. I think that, I mean, from the fan perspective, at least what I was able to observe and see from people um, and, and even talking to people, they're psyched, man. I mean, it, they, there's, a, there's a sincere feeling that they can win every one of those games. And, and I don't think they're wrong. I mean, if you would have given me that schedule right now and said, what about this 23 team? How would they have fared? I just said they could have won every one of those games. Now, it doesn't mean they would have. Um, but when's the last time we, we looked at a KU schedule and, and even thought that without getting laughed out of the room, you know? So um, they avoid Utah, they avoid Arizona, they avoid Oklahoma State. Um, that doesn't mean they avoid everybody, and there's obviously some tough games on there. Um, at K-State, certainly going to be tough. And, and, and who knows about a couple of the others? You know, Arizona State, we don't know what they are. They don't know what they are. But um, – just first glance, it, it looks like a schedule that, you know, they can negotiate in a favorable way and, and continue the momentum that they've built. Does that mean they're going to win eight or nine games again? I don't know, but um, it certainly seems like it's in play. They have the tightest uh, window between bye weeks uh, where, you know, everybody else has like, you know, uh, you know, three, four games between the buys. They only have the two. How much do you think that will kind of affect this season, especially given the fact that you know, you've got a quarterback in Jalen Daniels who uh, his health has not been uh, immaculate over this time? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I actually didn't didn't look at that. I noticed when the two bye weeks are because you can kind of try to think about a vacation on those bye weeks too if you're me. So uh, <laughs> they jump out at me every time. But uh, I didn't think about the proximity to each other. So, um, you know, it's important. And and I think one of them is November 12th. Is that maybe? Is that right? November? October 12th that's right. and November 2nd. Okay, there you go. So, so you know, I think I think you would love – any team would love to have one in November there. You, you kind of get a chance to, to gear up for the stretch run after that and get your guys a little extra rest. A uh, chance to get healthy if anybody's, you know, dealing with whatever. And by November, they all will be, you know, on some level. So I, I do think that that's a nice placement of that second one. And, and I'll tell you, the first thing is, is you know, Lance Leipold's the last guy in the world that's going to say, we rather this or we rather that or it'd be better if this or, you know, like he, he's, he just laughs at that stuff. And he says, well, we'll, we'll take the buys when they tell us to take the buys. We'll play the games when they tell us to play and we'll go where they tell us to go and we'll play who they tell us to play. And that's Lance Leipold. And that's why it's working at Kansas. Uh, that's not to say Charlie Weiss or David Beatty or Les Miles or whoever, you know, whined about that stuff either. But like there was so much um, attention to, to things that, that needed to be done through all that stuff because they were still trying to build this culture and, the culture changed so quickly because they were changing coaches so quickly and all of that, you know, and, and, and in three years, this guy's built a culture that feels like it's been here for 15, 20 years. And so he's the kind of coach that can get away with that. Like we don't worry about who or where or when or any of that. Like let's just go play and we'll be ready. And, and you know, that's why he's successful. That's why he's been good wherever he's been. 
And, and that's why they love having him here because he gives Kansas a legitimate program and a legitimate shot. It's it's incredible what he's done in such a short period of time. And Matt, we know how the, the pecking order is in college athletics. There are jobs bigger than others, and that's how it works. And here in Waco, we've seen at least three head coaches who at one point in time were rumored for massive jobs. What was it like going through the carousel? Was there ever great concern on the part of Kansas fans that, hey, oh, man, the Michigan job's now open or this job's open? Or did it feel like all along that wasn't something to have to worry too much about? Oh, no, the fans were freaking, man. They were definitely <laughs> freaking out. And, you know, that's as much a testament to who Lance is and what he's done to begin with, right? Because some of these coaches that we just mentioned, they couldn't get rid of fast enough. And so the fact that they want him to stick around and we're worried about him maybe leaving is – is really telling, and, and it made sense. Um, I never thought he would go to Washington. Um, that was the one they were most scared of because that's, that's you know, he there were some reports out there that he was one of two finalists and things of that nature, and, and you know, it was, a, it was a scary day for them. But I, I don't think it was close, to be honest, and I think KU, um, you know, KU knows they want to keep him. KU knows what he means to this place, and so – They've been really good to him. In a very short period of time, he's had a couple of new contracts, a couple of raises. Uh, they knocked down their stadium, as you mentioned, and, and they're building one that, that he's got his fingerprints all over um, and is going to be able to recruit to and put teams in and play in. And uh, I mean, he's just totally changed this, this football culture here. And, and you know, he, he deserves a lot of the credit for it, but so does the administration. Travis Goff has been a rock star athletic director. Um Again, KU graduate, so it means something to him, and he understands it. He's followed it more than just when he got the job, you know. So that's been very helpful and very, very beneficial. Um, but he's a really good AD, and, and he, he's built not just a culture in the football program that's changed, but that whole athletic department is uh, aligned, and, and, you know, they're having some of their most success in programs across the board since his arrival, and they, they fuel each other, you know, that. Even the women's golf coach says, you know, I look at what Lance and the football program are doing, and, and I use that as an opportunity to, to push my girls. And I mean, that's, that's women's golf, man. Like, that's, it's really cool what they've got going there. So um, getting back to your question, though, yeah, people were freaked out about the Washington thing for sure. But I think the, the important part of that was they, they, uh, they realized that, okay, you know, Washington came first. We survived it. We dodged a bullet. And then – Everything that happened after the fact there, like the, the strong commitment from um, Lance and him saying, you know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, and, and the administration feeling good about it. When Michigan came open, they weren't worried. You know, if Michigan had come first, it might have been a totally different situation, but it wasn't. And so, you know, number one, they felt good about his commitment and all of that. Number two, that one went so fast with them promoting their, their guy from within that there wasn't really time for KU fans to get, get back on the, on the panic train, you know? So I, I think it helped, but boy, it's, it's, it's been a couple of years. I mean, last year, Wisconsin and Nebraska were open and people who know Lance would say that those were the top two jobs on his list, you know, five years ago, they dodged those and, and now they dodged these two. And so um, I think he's here to stay, man. I think he's going to be the Kansas coach until, until he's done coaching and and you know that's a, a really really important thing and and obviously everyone around here is very excited about it all right let's get to uh the KU basketball team that's having uh, their worst season in 2500 years uh four and th <laughs> uh, the, we have uh somebody who's a part of our show who has a very close person that's a KU 
fan, and it's it's getting to the point where she's almost has to be uh, kept from sharp objects, <laughs> questioning <laughs> Bill Self's future, not happy, thinks there's a change needed, but it has been difficult. They haven't had this kind of a rocky, although even last year, I think it was when he, maybe a year or two ago, they started off, he said, listen, this is a marathon, and they usually are the one that wins at the end of the marathon, although Baylor had their run and a couple of others over the years. What is missing from them, in your opinion, Matt, at this particular time? Yeah, well, you know, there's no question. And, and look, they lost three in a row last year at one point and, and still had a pretty good finish and a pretty good season. So, you know, that hopefully can remind people that it can be okay even after a rough stretch. But they have – I mean, they've lost three or four on the road. I think the panic comes from the fact that two of those were at West Virginia who had a losing record at the time and, and at Central Florida that nobody thought was any good. And it turns out they're pretty good. So, you know, no panic there. But those aren't games that Kansas – expected to lose um so you know it's all relative I think that's that's fair to remember 17 and 4 is a pretty good record but you're also right this is a flawed team and it's not perfect and there's a lot of problems that that they still have to address before they become the kind of team that they think you know is acceptable around here the standard so to speak and and the biggest thing there is the bench I mean they're getting next to nothing out of their bench and part of that's guys in a funk part of that guys that are freshmen part of that guys that that you know are still trying to figure it out on both ends and 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 part of that's the portal you know you get new guys that come in and they're expected to play the the bill self basketball way and and defense like they play at kansas and they get about six months to figure that out and they're expected to do it at a high level after that six months i mean that's that's easier said than done for sure so I think it remains a work in progress. They're showing some signs. There's some there's some hope on that bench. They've got a couple of really talented dudes sitting there. There's, there's a really good shooter that transferred in from Towson that everybody in the country wanted and Kansas got. And I think he's shooting in the 20s right now. I mean, there's you know his his percentage is awful. He's in a funk. He just can't get shots to fall. But if and it's a big if, but if he can figure it out, February and March, then you know that'll be a big lift. And and if some of those young guys can can take that next step too and, and feel more comfortable and start to, to play Kansas basketball, you know, the, the bench will show up, the deck will be there. But if, if that doesn't show up, you're putting 35 to 38 minutes a night on the starting five. And even though that starting five is as good as any country, any team in the country, that's a lot to ask of any team and any player. And over time, those kind of minutes and that kind of workload can, can certainly wear you down and, and really not just physically, but, mentally emotionally all of that stuff too you can be exhausted by that so they've got to get some bench production they've got to get some help and and they've got to get guys that that show self that he can trust them otherwise um it's going to be ride with the five starters and see how far they take you all right matt my first trip to the fog is this weekend i'll be sitting in the stands with uh, the crazies and by that i mean my wife and my brother-in-law uh but uh they um you know they've told me all this but from your perspective what do i need to be ready for you need to be ready for you need, okay so when are you getting in uh we'll, we're getting in thursday so it'll be thursday friday and and then oh yeah perfect yeah okay so the game is three o'clock am i right yeah, yeah three o'clock tip off so I mean, honestly, man, you should get there as early as noon. Like, okay. go give yourself time. Be ready. And that's, you know, it's going to be loud. I don't know how your ears are and all that. <laughs> Bring earplugs if it's a thing. It'll get loud. It'll be as good as it's been in a long time because not only is it a big game, but, but 
the fans will will this team to to success and it doesn't mean they'll win but they'll do their part and it gets loud in there so be ready for that but also you want to be ready to give yourself time to really enjoy it i mean like there's so much to look at around the 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 facility there's so many there's a hall of fame there's history there's nooks and crannies that you should go just look at and think about good god wilt chamberlain played in here you know um fog allen coached in here i mean there's so much of that 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 you know, if you if you find yourself rushed, you'll you'll really regret it, and you'll want to come back, and you want to come back the next week. So, give yourself the time. Be ready to really soak in the experience, not just of the game, but but just being in the building and and everything you can see and learn and, and experience because it's really it really is a phenomenal place. It's part Hall of Fame, part basketball arena, and and you know you get enjoyment out of both of those when you go. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it, uh, Matt Tate. Wave the wheat. Covers KU Athletics. Paul will be there to be there for the Houston game. Houston, of course, winning in Austin this past, uh, what was it? I guess it was on Monday night. Yeah. And uh, a heck of a win for them. And now they're atop the Big 12 at 6-2 and two after Texas Tech lost to TCU uh, down in Fort Worth. We're not done. Still a lot to get to. Uh, when we come back in the 5 o'clock hour, Craig Bowl from the AFCA Get back into a couple of notes about the Tennessee and Virginia, the state of Tennessee and the state of Virginia suing the NCAA. More on that. What does that mean? This is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac. They are the people that you can count on and that the people of Central Texas and others who have found their way to the dealership have been able to count on for well over two decades now. And they are continuing on with that great customer service that uh, gave them that reputation. And they have great prices on the lot right now that they want you to take full advantage of. So come on by the dealership right now to go take a look at the truck. Not a truck, but the truck. The GMC Sierra from Richard Carr. A truck that has it all, including power, strength, and a stunning interior. And right now, there are hundreds of trucks on the lot ready to move at a great price. Save thousands right now in holiday savings on cars and trucks. And with a trade, qualified buyers can also save $10,000 on a GMC Sierra SLT crew cab plus military and first responders save an additional $500. So if you check some of those boxes, then... Well, you can go talk to the folks over at the dealership, but you're looking at a great deal when it comes to savings on the new GMC Sierras from Richard Carr. If you're not looking to buy new, they also have a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks in stock, 100 used cars and trucks to choose from, and all inspected with a 172-point inspection, plus the Richard Carr seal of approval and a financing goal at Richard Carr that is 100% credit approval. They say yes when others say no. So check out all of the new offerings, as well as their lot full of pre-owned cars and trucks. And check out the company that's been in business for 24 years in Central Texas and has built a reputation as the people you can count on for your automotive needs during that time. Run by proud Central Texans, proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now. Off Highway 6 at the Imperial Lexus. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! 
established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student-athletes through NIL activations. The program helps student-athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL fund baylorbears.com slash gxg contributions to support nil activations through gxg can be made at baylorbears.com slash gxg for more information follow at gxg underscore green x gold on social media and visit the official website www.gxg.startupwaco.com gxg empowering student athlete entrepreneurship and uplifting the local economy through NIL activations. Three sixty-five Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at uniteprivatenetworks.com. All right, here we go. Four fifty-three, just around the corner. Craig Bull from the AFCA. He's the one that helped build the dynasty that was at North Dakota State, and of course had a really nice run at. Wyoming, too. But back to the story that we started off today with the University of Tennessee, Tennessee, the state of uh, governor, uh, Virginia governor, all of them, uh, lawsuit pointing right at the NCAA, and this will maybe end up adding 5, 10, 15, or 20 states along the way. Here's a Ross Dellinger tweet. Craig brought this up earlier uh, from Dellinger. We have it yet, uh, Ross? Uh, Garrett? Okay. 
Well, Ross Dellinger is part of uh, the, here we go. As noted in the story, this also cannot go on. NCAA member schools adopt Rule X. NCAA enforces Rule X. NCAA member schools and advocate sue NCAA over Rule X. And that is something that's a great point. Doesn't mean that they can't be sued. Doesn't mean their rules are right or good. But I do see that, and I've seen that for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's worth pointing out, too, because it's it's fair to pile on to the NCAA and, um, you know, all of their issues. And that's been easy to do now for, well, several years. And they've tried to make amends here and there, and they've had to be forced into changing along the way uh, to, to some extent. But they also, you know, need the cooperation of the schools. And let's remind everybody, and I know Ross would do this, and I know everybody else in, in a similar position of answering a question about this would do this, but the schools are the NCAA. The schools are. So we're bitching about the NCAA. You're also looking in the mirror to some extent. And so when I see the, you know, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with the, the total lack of guardrails being an issue. And I, I think that just the, the free for all that it is, is, is crazy. But I do think that part of the, and I don't think the NCAA is innocent anyway. I think that they're in need of a dramatic change of, of some sort. If not that change being that they're just not in control over as many schools as they were or whatever that's going to look like in the future. But there is this element of the schools complaining about wanting one thing and then going and doing the, the other and complaining about one thing. But then when the heat gets turned on to them or the, 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 the eyes of, you know, the legal system or the NCAA start looking at them for, for breaking rules. Well, you wanted rules, not, but you don't want these rules. So you want this, but, you, you know, you can't, you can't pick and choose when you want them to be enforced and then say, no, those, those don't count now because, well, we're doing it. And so that's part of it where I do agree with him is that the schools want something, then work on getting something together. But every time they try to pop somebody, the immediate thing, you have no teeth, we'll just sue you. It's like, well, so then what are you, how are you supposed to get things done? And, and I know like the, the governmental part of it where it's just not legal to do certain things, like that's the biggest hiccup because they can't just say this is the way it's going to be because immediately there will be lawyers galore that just shoot holes all throughout it and it's like it doesn't even matter. But the schools are ultimately going to have to be the ones that if you really want these rules, you're going to have to agree to it. So maybe a Tennessee just doesn't agree to the same rules as a North Dakota state. Maybe that's where it eventually goes. And again, that goes down the same road of the big split and the power two or the power four and, and whatever that looks like. Um, that's another story that I wish we could just fast forward and, and get there already because I'm tired of hearing about it. But, I mean, it does seem like it's coming down the pipeline to some extent, and maybe that's where eventually that comes. But, yeah, it is a little silly for schools to want rules and then complain about the rules that they get. So the adults get in the room and 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 figure it out, but um, yeah, that's that's the damned if you do, damned if you don't part of this for the NCAA. Yeah, I, I also think that they're not uh, always having the right people in the room. Like I mentioned earlier, like some of these university presidents that vote on these things, like, you know, the, they really probably need to have more insight from coaches on this. And there's always you know some former coach involved in this, but I think they need. Um, and like, no offense to someone like Jim Grobe or RC Slocum or, you know, whoever, um, but they need a coach who's on the ground doing this. The problem is, is that coaches already have too much to do without, you know, trying to figure out the rules because they're the ones who are out there trying to deal with all of this stuff, uh, in real time. But I do think that they need more insight from people who know exactly what's going on and what is, 
enforceable? Like, what's an extra benefit? Like, here's the other thing. The NCAA used to, you know, complain about extra benefits. And yes, um, you know, somebody taking a, a, a private plane flight is probably an extra benefit to most schools. But, you know, some of the things are like what everybody does. Well, if everybody's going to do it, then it's not an extra benefit. So you have to reclassify this is just something you can't do because then it's not extra because if it's something that everybody can do and does, then it's not that's not better than anywhere else. You know, it's not the Alabama can do this and Florida can't, they're both do it and do it all the time. So it makes it hard to enforce these things that are not, you know, within the old way of doing stuff. They just don't have the right people that are making these rules. And they just, and again, there's a lot, like you guys mentioned earlier of clinging to the past and trying to keep as much of what the NCAA used to be there, as opposed to admitting like, well, everything's changed. I mean, in every, like, that's the thing they haven't, like, uh, wrapped their arms completely around. And maybe Charlie Baker has with this new proposal of, a, of the next subdivision. But as far as the NCAA as an operating, functional, day-to-day entity, there is still the pull of we want it to be what it was before, at least a little bit. We have to at least have something there to, to make us worth our while. And then they do that, and then they get sued. So, yeah. But the schools do have to get on the same page and put somebody – on the committees that make rules that make sense because right now they make the rules. I don't think really the schools read them until it's like, Hey, um, you broke this rule. Oh crap. Did we? No, that's bull crap. We didn't break any rules. Everybody's doing this to the lawyers. Yeah. Uh, and it's almost like a dictatorship that eventually uh, the citizens uh, go downtown or wherever the statue is and pull it down and take over, you know, have a, a coup d'etat and I'm not saying it that way, like that that can be like a war, but it, it is crazy. Uh, but boy, great point about here's a we need a rule. Okay, here's a rule. Well, we don't like that rule. Uh, you have to uh, have some sort of common sense both ways. But I think the NCAA, what they're dealing with now is something that they could have avoided from many, many years ago, but they were like a dictator, they didn't really care what people yeah, might have thought. definitely not sticking up for them, just saying that the schools have some say in this as well. But, no, it's the NCAA's fault entirely, always was, always will be, and they have nobody to blame but themselves for this mess, yeah. Craig Bull, executive director of the AFCA. He has been a busy man, obviously former head coach at North Dakota State, also a great run at Wyoming, played his football at Nebraska. He joins us now. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, David Smoke on 365 Sports. Craig, thank you very much for your time. Obviously, I know an incredibly busy time. I would ask you, what are the two or three or five or 20, perhaps, things on your plate right now? Because I know there's so much going on. But what are the challenges right now with your coaches and college athletics? Well, I think you're hearing a clamoring all over the country, which is consistent that as coaches um, – you know, we're certainly invested in this game. We don't have all the answers without question, but, you know, a lot of our coaches were the boots on the ground. But how we are able to get our arms wrapped around this ever-changing landscape of college football and the stakeholders who are there to make sure that we've got, a, you know, some clear vision on what direction uh, we're going as coaches I really believe this. We're all rule followers. Uh, Once we know, um, you know, where the, where the rules are, we can coach the heck out of anything. 
but we just, you know, everybody's looking and saying, okay, this is changing, that's changing. College football has always had some change, but it's kind of like a, at an exponential pace right now. So trying to get our arms around that. There's some angst out there. Uh, coaches are looking for some clarity. I think a whole lot of people are looking for some clarity. Packaging that, though, with college football has never been more popular. TV ratings are off the chart. College football has now separated itself from all the other sports right behind the NFL as far as popularity. So we have a great game. We just want to keep on making it better. Coach, do you feel like the coaches have enough say in these rules when it comes to Mm -hmm. when they're made? Uh, Some of them are so complex and, you know, especially when it comes to some of these new INL th- NIL things that mm. they seem like they're a little bit easy to break. Like some of some of the things seem kind of innocuous or something that everybody would do. And then they, they break the rules and you get in trouble. Do you guys have enough say mm-hmm. on what the practical application of the rules are? Well, if you listen to my colleagues, <laughs> probably would say no. However, there's a whole lot of people who care deeply about college football, certainly conference commissioners do, um, you know, certainly coaches do, certainly athletic directors do, uh, faculty reps, presidents. Um, there's a whole lot of people have really good intentions. I think sometimes because of the complexity of the issues, uh, you know, at times we'll send a message and maybe somebody doesn't get the memo. And what also is occurring is, is while you have a lot of really super invested people who have great competency whenever you're changing some things, you know, to get the true message out, I think sometimes can be complicated. And then um, other people just really understanding. And so that's some of the challenges. Uh, you know, I, I, I coached for, I was a head coach for 21 years and I served on a lot of NCAA committees. Um, and I did notice within the last couple of years, much more of a, a, a faster pace of the changing of landscape as coaches. We're not saying we are the voice, but I believe that we feel like we should. And I think by and large, we have a seat at the table and uh, it's my job as the AFCA executive director to coalesce, you know, some of the information from our coaches and then bring it forward to the powers to be. Uh, coach. And I'm going to always call you that uh, Craig, you, uh, you have, you say, at the table, and now there's a chance that the table is a bigger table than a, a little bit slightly bigger table, and you've been a part of where North Dakota State mm-hmm. was, where Wyoming is, and now there's the thought about there might be even a bigger table with less people at mm-hmm. it. What is that battle, mm-hmm. in your opinion? How do the coaches think about that? Yeah, you know, that's an ever uh, product of a conversation, and you have all kinds of different opinions. You know, there's going to be many things that get sorted out. I think as you're seeing the change of the landscape changing, uh, one thing that we still have within college football is, you know, a lot of really good teams that are out there. Uh, Some of these decisions that are being made, I think we need to take a really, really holistic look and say, okay, what is is good for college football? Uh, How narrow do we need to get? Um, Because – you know, there, there are some, some differences. Uh, you know, as I transitioned from NDSU, which operated at a really high level at FCS football, and I went to Wyoming uh, in a great conference, um, you know, there was challenges that we had there, and some of our challenges were somewhat different than 
you know, what uh, the coach at Wisconsin had uh, or the coach at Washington had just to pick out a couple other W's. Um, and so to, to put everybody on, under the umbrella, you got you got to start as you look and say, okay, can, can we move forward here in a fashion uh, that, that makes sense? Um, and so these are, these are strategic uh, decisions that uh, I know a lot of people are looking at. Uh, I think we have a great game. Uh, certainly it's going to change. Do I have the silver bullet and say, okay, we need to make a change within FBS football? Uh, I think before we do that, if that's out there, I think we got to take a real hard look under the hood and say, okay, what are, what are some decisions that are going to be made? How is this going to be beneficial? Is there going to be some fallout from it that may not be good? And so I don't have the answers. I do have a lot of experience while I didn't operate at a head coach at a, a quote, big time, quote, big time school. I spent a lot of years at the university of Nebraska. And, uh, and, you know, at that time uh, we were, during that time we were winning national championships and coach Osborne was always transparent with us uh, on where things were at. And so, um, you know, I see the change of landscape. I don't have the exact answer. I know a lot of people are looking at that. Craig Bowl, the AFCA executive director with us on 365 sports. So there's a, there's, there was arms races always about, you know, facilities, everybody, someone mm-hmm. needed like a, yeah. a waterfall or whatever. And, and now mm-hmm. we see what's happening with coaching salaries. This is democracy. People can make whatever their value might mm-hmm. be. But also the carousel, the realignment. Which of mm-hmm. NIL, transfer portal, is there one more important than the other? Or are they all <laughs> together? They're all interconnected. They're all, they're all strung together like, uh, you, know, uh, you know, one of those puppets up on a stage. And I don't want to equate it to a small thing like a puppet. But they all are interconnected. And... Uh, we have a great game, and this is what I think the stakeholders all across the country uh, are, are excited about, but they're concerned about saying, okay, are we, are, we, are we jeopardizing some things? Are we losing the academic, is, academic mission of a school? Are we compromising some things? Maybe we are, maybe we aren't, but these are all things that I think we can no longer just take the 64,000-foot view I think we got to we got to dig into the weeds and peel back some onions and and recognizing that um, you know we are a, an academic institution that these values and the things that we're doing align uh, with things certainly have changed but I think once we veer off that path and this is where some of the stakeholders now are looking going okay are, are we headed down the right path there's some good things but as we take this next step let's take a measured step. Is that something easier said than done, though, when you have all the egos and all that in the room? Well, you know, as you said in the room, what what you do recognize is people really care and they have good intentions. So it's not like you have have, uh, ill-intended people. Uh, People do care about college football. Uh, You also have to recognize, too, you know, when you talk about egos – College football coaches, um, when you put a bunch of head football coaches in a room, there's a whole lot of testosterone in there. Uh, <laughs> coaches, I mean, there is. You get a lot mm-hmm. of alpha male. And I was, and I was one of them, yep. okay? Yep. And, uh, and I'm not too far removed. And so when you put those, all those guys in a room, 
uh, you're going to have strong opinions, and that's okay. And so when you are talking about egos as opposed to maybe some of the other stakeholders and things like that, I think as coaches we need to do everything we can. And by and large, they do in, in these head coaches' meetings to put their egos aside. But you don't get to be a head football coach by being a milk toast, milk toast person and not having some strong convictions. And so for us to have any illusion that there's not going to be strong opinions being expressed, I think that's that's pretty naive. Coach, uh, the calendar is the you know the, the kind of hot button issue for coaches too now because mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you're asked to do. I mean, I, like I, I say it all the time every time we have somebody on that that third week in December is insane. Like it's yeah, it, like you you would need Navy SEAL like precision to do it. Um, you know, effectively, even if you're doing it well, it's still chaotic. Um, do you think that there is a like a way that they can radically shift the calendar? And, and maybe it is like throwing out, well, this is mm-hmm. always the date we've done something, just so mm-hmm. it makes it reasonable to be a college coach and function now, as opposed to shoving everything into a one month time period, like it feels like it is right now. Yeah, we're we're really having some frank discussions about that. You know, whether we come in and and in our head coaches meeting, some coaches pulled me aside because they knew I was stepping in uh, as executive director, and I had a, a you know pretty long lasting relationship with many of the guys, and so there was a good portion of guys saying, "Coach, maybe we just need to look at blowing the calendar up and rewriting and just coming up with a clean slate." Um, I, I do know in, in past history with other legislation when I was on oversight or competition, whenever a decision is made to change something, uh, there's some certain consequences that come about, but what does occur at times is unintended consequences. Uh, but I can tell you, you're looking at a coach that just rode off in the sunset that my job duty it changed significantly from the last two to three years from where it was. I mean, there was a time that we would finish a, a bowl game and I had Josh Allen as our coach and mm. our quarterback. And, you know, I spent time talking to him about his decision to maybe either go into the NFL or come back to another year and finish school. And he chose to come back another year and, and finish school. And I'm not saying Josh would have left Wyoming, but, um, things have changed to the point where the bowl game was over. You had guys coming and going. And this is where, you know, and you work like crazy and you finish your season off and hopefully with a, a win and you're playing your bowl game like we did late in December 30th to where during that time you're recruiting, you're having guys come and going, you're dealing with transfer portal. Uh, this is a time where coaches used to decompress a little bit and that, that, that is now gone. That does not exist. And so um, some fatigue. Uh, there's also angst and some frustration. Um, and coaches care. They care about their team. Uh, they care about their roster. But there's only so much gas in the tank. And so I think as, as we're going, we're looking at, you know, saying, okay, is there a better way to maybe manage some of this stuff? Because some of these things have changed and they're real, and the, the horse is out of the barn, and they're not changing. So for us to be bullheaded and say, by God, our dates and our signing dates and all these other things are perfect and we're not changing, I think that that would be a misstep. 
Uh, Craig, is there a chance we start to see Nick Saban's 72, but he was a young 72, but he moved on. Mm-hmm. You, you 65, mm-hmm. you're now in administration with the AFCA. We've heard Dabo, uh, Dabo mm-hmm. kind of had. Is there a chance if things aren't fixed, and I mean mm-hmm. quickly, that we could see great coaches leaving the game? Mm-hmm. Well, the names that you just mentioned, to put my name with those other two guys, I think it's, it's – <laughs> It's a little bit of an overstatement. So thanks for putting me in that group, but I, I can hardly hold their water uh, without question. You know, Coach Sweeney is passionate. Uh, Coach Saban uh, done a remarkable job. And I think that they will all tell you that the game has changed. But I I took this position not because, okay, the game's changing mm-hmm. and and I don't like the narrative, and so I'm getting out. I don't know what Coach Saban's – uh, motivation is. I know Coach Sweeney in our head coach's meeting, you know, was as fiery and as passionate as he could ever be. Uh, but I, I did not get the sense, okay, the heck with the heck with this. Um, but I can tell you it does. I looked and here, here was my rationale. I, I looked at where I was at, what was going to be required uh, to, to keep on moving Wyoming up the latter, uh, we had won nine games for the first time in 28 years. But I also looked and said, all right, some coaches stay too long. My mentor, Coach Osborne, wrote out on beating Tennessee in the national championship game. Uh, I'm no Tom Osborne, but he set a great roadmap for me. And I had an honest conversation with myself and my family and said, you know what? It's time for this old cowboy to ride off in the sunset and a new set of eyes to come on it. Whether these changes are affecting other coaches, I know that that narrative has been thrown out there. Uh, I think it would be disingenuous to say, I don't know if that's the right term. I went to Nebraska. I will, you have to give me a pass on that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get a call from the president now at Nebraska. Um, but I, I, I think I, I get why people are saying that. I have not heard. Coach Saban come out and say, you know what, mm-hmm. I'm closing up shop because I just can't deal with it. I'm not saying that. Uh, you know, I, I had a pretty long career, but I chose to leave simply because I looked at what was out there. It was going to take a younger set of eyes to keep on moving the needle forward. If you don't mind, uh, you mentioned Tom Osborne, and I'm, I was born in mm-hmm. Nebraska, so I think the word was right, by the way. And a lifelong fan, although 97 does seem like 100 years ago, yeah, it does. Uh, what did you learn from him? I'm sure a lot, but what were the yeah. fundamentals of what you learned from Tom Osborne? First of all, um, he, he, he's so humble, but he's wickedly smart. I mean, wickedly smart. And a, a mark to somebody who is able to take complicated situations and make them simple. He always had that way about him. He was able to... Uh, you know, I was on the defensive side coaching the black shirts and he would come in and, and we had some great coaches and we'd have all these things on the board and he'd look and say, well, isn't that like that? Is it like this? Why don't you just do both of them together? And I was like, well, I didn't think of that. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a PhD. The other thing is I think he really understood people. He understood how players learn. Coach had a, a PhD in educational psychology and how we practiced was unique and it was always amazing 
to other people that learned how we practiced that they began to say, wow, there's something to that. And, uh, and that had a big impact on our experience at North Dakota State while I was at a lower level. Uh, our squads ended up going 43-2, and two, and a lot of it had to do with our practice routines and what we were doing and how players learned. And I thought he was a, a masterful man there. And then the other thing he was always able to do was you, you, you really believed that you had ownership in the program. It was we, us, and our – I never – I mean, never heard Coach Osborne uh, brag about himself and say, I, I, I. The only time I heard him say, I, is if something went wrong, then he would say, okay, I didn't do this right. Uh, and you're looking at a man that has freeways named after him in Nebraska. And so, um, I don't know, it was remarkable. And uh, he left an indelible impression on me. I would like to think that I've been able to pass along some of those things to our other head coaches now who have had a chance to work with on our staff through the years. Um, he watches, watched every one of our games, um, like I said, wickedly smart, and was never – I'm going to shut up here about him, but was never too big to think, okay, I got it all. I can remember – after 90, 95, we had beaten Florida like a drum. And I'm studying what the Dallas Cowboys are doing. And he's in a film room watching Army versus Navy. Coach, what are you doing watching Army versus Navy? Oh, no, no, this is fascinating stuff. Look what they're doing here or there. Well, I'm like, well, we just won the national championship. You need to be studying what the Cowboys are doing or somebody else is doing. No, this is fascinating. Mm. And so that 1997 game, if you pull out video of it, we jumped in a couple sets that were run by Army and Navy during that game. And so, you know what, he learned from everybody. And so uh, he, he's still rocking along, uh, but those icons like him, there's not very many of them out there anymore. Coach, I was just looking at the roster of just the 97 team, uh, which uh, <laughs> was ins – it's insane. It's insane. First of all, I need you to, uh, in your new position, that you have uh, some sway now, bring fullbacks back. I don't know how you can do that, but let's bring that well, back. You know, you know what? You, you look up in Wyoming, we got a full – we had a fullback on it. Matt Rule. I know. Matt yeah. Rule's got a yep. – Matt Rule's got a fullback back. Yeah. Yep. You got like okay. six of them. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's – Yeah, well – I don't. I got some stroke, but I don't know if I have enough to walk in a meeting and, and demand everybody put the fullback back. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you do, I, I'd be. I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, but what were I just had this thought when you guys went full contact in practice, which is obviously a lot different now. But between those offensive and defensive lines, what was the sound like? Because those were the two best units that were of that in yeah. the country. And it was just dudes. Like, even you went twos on twos, it's still dudes yeah. after that. No, here's what I will tell you. And I've not ever made this statement. Uh, but if you have some Nebraska listeners out there, uh, they would say, Coach, what was the best football you ever saw in Memorial Stadium? What game? What game that you saw when you were coaching the Huskers was the best competition out there? This is what I'll tell you. If I reel back, it was 1995. 
it was the week, not the week of, the week before, or not during the game, we were playing Oklahoma. We were number one, and it was a Friday. And coach walks in and says, we're going scrimmage today, live. And I'm like, holy buckets. <laughs> we're number one we're number one in the country and we're gonna go out and go scrimmage play scrimmage yeah Craigle, that's what we're gonna do so we walked out in memorial stadium gates were locked and we had the number one offense in the country going against the number one defense in the country and it was the best football that i have ever seen and it was intense and I hate to say it, it ended up in a huge, big fight. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and Coach Osborne blowing his whistle, and he would never cuss, unlike me, but his sharpest words were, Dad, gummit, Dad, gummit, Dad, gummit, quick, quick. And then he pulls me off the side. Craig, what, what, what is going on? I said, Coach, you got to realize you got the big alpha dogs out there. Yeah. And you're putting them out there at the end of the year. Those dogs are going to hunt like that. And uh, that's what you got. And uh, But I can tell you, if you went down the, the names of those guys, they all played in the NFL for a long time, and it was, it was as intense as it could be, and it was take no prisoners. Yeah, that was, uh, that, that was such a great run. I mean, that's like the, you know, the 92 Dream Team scrimmage game. That's what that sounds like, where everybody asks, like, what the best game that they played in. Yeah, it was like, Michael yeah, the, Jordan was the, scr- yeah, yeah, yeah. the scrimmage between the yeah. two sides. Yeah. Craig, I, I know you got to go. And we go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I just say it was really special. But please go ahead, guys. Thanks yeah. for having me on. What, what, if you don't mind, one more question. Grant Taff, Baylor, mm-hmm. uh, AFCA mm-hmm. executive director, Todd Berry, who was uh, the one who followed him at the AFCA. Mm-hmm. What were your ever uh, memories of meeting Grant Taft or what impact he may have had? Mm -hmm. Well, I I had been a young coach at Rice University. I was the defensive coordinator when we were in the Southwest Conference. And, uh, uh, you know, Coach Taft was coaching at Baylor at that time. We had some spirited games with him. Here's my sense. When, When Coach Taft would walk into a room, whether it was when he was in the Southwest Conference as a head coach and we had our meetings or serving as the AFCA executive director, uh, he, was a, he was and is a statesman. When he, when he said things, there was such um, – I mean, everybody hung into his last words. And, and, I, and I will tell you, as I said, you had a lot of alpha males and head coaches, but we all got our marching orders from Coach Taft. I mean, he – he had a great vision, and uh, he, he pushed our organization forward. He always operated with integrity. He always did the right thing, and he always said the right thing, and he cared deeply. Um, working side-by-side side with Todd, I was a young assistant coach at Tulsa, and we worked together for about a month, and then he, he had left and gone on to another opportunity. But Todd and I kind of grew up in this profession hand-in-hand. Hand. He he went uh, and was a head coach at different levels. Uh, you know, he certainly, um, when he took over the AFCA, he had a great business mind. Uh, he's also a smooth politician. Uh, he's able to operate and, and put the AFCA in position where you have a seat at the table. This is a codified seat on the Football Oversight Committee, which has a huge impact. 
Um, he's on the, he was on the competition committee as well. Uh, he's done a remarkable job uh, managing and putting our organization to where we were thinking outside the lines, everything from websites to podcasts to uh, different agendas that we were on and running conventions. We just completed a convention. We, we have over 12,000 members now. Um, just done a remarkable uh, job, a low ego guy, a dear friend of mine, and he and I have been walking hand in hand during this last couple of weeks, and he's helping pass the baton off to me, and it's a pretty ominous uh, position. I can't wait to come over and see you at the office. We're right around the corner about a, a mile away, but Craig, I know we've spent more time than we asked. Thank you for your time yeah. and, and yeah. look forward to what you okay. do. Okay, before, before we get off, what town were you born in Nebraska? I was born on Offutt Air Force Base in Omaha. You're an Air Force brat. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, All sir. Right. I can't wait to meet okay, you. Okay, guys. Thank you, Coach. You bet. Look forward to meet you. Bye now. Craig Bull, AFCA Executive Director. Some of the stories about Osborne or Grant Taft or now Tom Barry. What, a, did, did you what an undertaking he did, has. Did you draft of off into a place? Yes, I did. did. You, like, is that your happy place? No, it was like very if, happy. If you were, the problem is that happy place is thirty years ago. So you know, like when JJ McCarthy goes out on the field and meditates before the game I under was the goalposts. I was is there. Is that like if you were going? Is that where you would go? When he said nineteen ninety seven, and uh, God, Lee, I, I I started thinking, man, and then I realized how long ago that was. Even he said that. Yeah, that's way too long. But that was fun. I cannot wait to go. Sit in his office. He doesn't know what's about to happen to him, and just listen to stories. Craig, yeah, that was good stuff. And uh, now, a coach that uh, I'm sure he's come across at some point in time in his profession uh, is now making a, another decision. That's got the carousel uh, started back up. Another job's opened now, fellas. Here on January the 31st, and it's a Power Four job. Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley is expected to become the new defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. Mm. Uh, he, um, It's mentioned in the Pete Thamel tweet about how he's made BC Bowl eligible in three of his four years, but the interesting part about it, other than just the timing, and it's already almost February, and the carousel had seemingly slowed down, but Thamel adding, Halfley's reasons for taking this coordinator job are rooted both in both the overall state of college football and the opportunity to work for one of the NFL's most respected franchises. He wants to go coach football again in a league that is all about football, a source told ESPN. College coaching has become fundraising, NIL, and recruiting your own team and transfers. There's no time to coach football anymore. So... There you go. I mean, we've all been talking about yeah. it. He just flat out said it. And I, I noticed there's like, I mean, I'm sure it's probably like 19-year-olds that just don't know any better. But I saw a very quick rush. And it's also just people having to be the first comment on Twitter of like, oh, well, he clearly can't hack it. Or he can't. They're coming off the best year they've had in forever. So um, three out of the four years making a bowl game. And they won seven games for the first time since 2018. Um, and seven games is notable because uh, the last time they won more than seven games at Boston College was 2009. So winning seven games is actually tying the bar that they've had for nearly the last 20 years. And making a bowl game is something they hadn't done in five years. So uh, spare me with the, well, he just can't hack it. Because we're going to hear a lot of that from fans that are mostly residing in two conferences. Yep. When I think the simple answer is just what was said. He's just tired of all the BS. Mm. And you know what? 
I don't blame him because I wouldn't really want to be a college coach these days unless I enjoyed the fundraising, which that's always been a part of it. The recruiting's always been weird, but the inner mix of it all now and the schedule being year-round and now having to fundraise not for your new stadium or for your indoor, but for your team um, more than you've ever had to do before. Yeah, I think it's it's probably going to push. Now, look, he's also going to the Green Bay freaking Packers, so it's yeah. a – it's a step up, even though you're not going to be the head coach, but just interesting timing there with that interview and the fact that he's just saying it or sources are saying that, yeah, he's just tired of all the, the BS in college and wants to just go coach football like most football coaches want to do. And it, it could be the with, opposite, man. Could, the NFL job was a brutal thing, uh, but now it's the opposite. You, you know, um, I think part of that was because when John Gruden was in the league, it was very famous that he would like get there at three o'clock in the morning and start watching film. And then like you had the other end of that, that didn't work out when Steve Spurrier got to Washington, he thought like, he thought that like his job was going to be easier because they're like, even back then in college football, the calendar, you didn't have to recruit all this stuff. He could just go and coach ball and he would play golf in the morning. And then, you know, he's playing golf, you know, Bill Parcells over the Cowboys, you know, getting ready for the games, you know? And so like, I think that kind of moved out out of it because the schedule of the NFL now is so compartmentalized into what you're doing at any given moment that it's it, it, it's kind of a it's a different thing altogether. So, but now, yeah, I don't blame him. And look, Boston College, that is a tough. It's a small yeah. private school in the Northeast. In it, like the high school football around it is not you know what you'd call great. You know, so you're going to try to get things from other places and. Yeah, I mean it's 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 they've tough. had some, they've had some good history there, but you're yeah. right. It, it, thing, I mean, it, so, there is the has and has uh, the haves and have nots, and it may be getting okay. worse. If uh, we got a break, yeah. we got another guest coming up. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's go ahead. But did, like Jeff Halfley at Boston College, it's not like he left Tennessee. Well, like, yeah, and Craig Bull just mentioned that yeah. he hasn't heard many of the code. But there we go. There's an example of what he was talking about: the argument about or the discussion about coaches who might leave the game that they love to go somewhere else because it's hard to control or put their arms around it. Coming up, John Kurtz covers K-State on the Wildcats and their schedule and basketball team. It was really fun, simple, and easy last year. That's been the complete opposite so far, including in the loss Kansas State against Oklahoma. And this is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets, sirloin steaks, bone-in ribeyes, boneless ribeyes, and even prime rib. Cut specifically the way you want, the thickness that you want. They're all delicious. They have Norwegian salmon, mahi-mahi, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey, variety of cheese, and several options of sausage links, and even regular jalapeno or cheese snack sticks. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, and ground beef. Marinated beef or chicken fajitas. And always large briskets and tri-tip available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and tradition continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, a full-service butcher shop and bakery, open Monday through Saturday. The Bauer Family, Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. 
One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. But when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs. Knowing you, that's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones and financial advisor Cam Heathcott. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Thank you to Bobby B., retired stockbroker, Katie Rader, for the super chats on the interviews we've had, the uh, the questions we ask and the answers we're getting. Craig Bowl was fantastic, and thank you for his time. We're now joined by another great guest in John Kurtz, Kansas City Sports Network. He joins us on 365 Sports. John, thank you very much, as always. What, uh, when you look at K-State's schedule, what is the reaction or what was the initial reaction among fans, among you, uh, among those who are at K-State? Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. I mean, I think it's 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 manageable. 
I think it feels to me kind of middle of the road as far as how the difficulty could actually uh, play out here with this. A couple of things jump out. Obviously, the the two buys that everybody has with the way the the schedule breaks this year are nice. Um, I think fans look at it and say, okay, well, the Arizona game being on a Friday, that's that's polarizing. I know it says 13th or 14th right now. I, I would just tell you, I can almost guarantee you that game's going to wind up being on a Friday, um, <clears throat> which to, to me is actually kind of cool. I, I sort of like the idea of that. It's going to be a non-conference game for those that are not aware because it had been scheduled so far out in advance. I like the idea of having a Friday standalone potential top 20 kind of matchup between Arizona and K-State there. Now, K-State's going to have to go to Tulane before that, so that won't be easy. Uh, we know what happened the last time those two played, and that game was in Manhattan, so – They'll have to get by that first, but I think that could be a really cool kind of matchup for the Big 12 and the kind of thing that they're trying to work out with the schedule and this type of thing that they need. Um, so you have that one that's polarizing. I think the other one that people look at is the Kansas game being on October 26th as opposed to later on in November. Uh, typically, it's lately here, it's been that, that week uh, right around Thanksgiving. So you, you move that game up. I actually kind of like that, not having Kansas and Iowa State back-to-back, like having back-to-back really tough rivalry games, especially, I mean, that Iowa State rivalry has got some added juice to it now at the last couple of weeks. Um, so I, I would say, okay, you know, I think it's decent. You knew that this was going to be a year where the, the home schedule was a little bit lighter. I think the other reaction that I've heard a lot about is just from the staff's perspective, it's not the most conducive schedule for recruiting because they go from September 28th to October 26th without a home game. So the long period without having a home game for fans, you know, it's kind of the best stretch weather-wise that you might be able to get people out there to a game and just have an impressive environment. Uh, but the other thing is they only had six home games in the first place, so AKA less uh, official visit recruiting weekends, and then one of them will likely get knocked out with Arizona with that game being on a Friday. So they're just going to have less opportunities to host recruits. Um, I think that can be a tricky thing to work through. But, you know, semantics, we're getting pretty pretty far down in the weeds as far as all that goes. Myself, personally, I love, and I already knew these were coming, but it is kind of cool to see them be in the first two road trips of the year in conference play. But I love getting to go to Provo. I love getting to go to Boulder. Um, I've been to Boulder for football games a couple of times. Very excited to get back there. And then, uh, obviously, the trip to Provo have heard nothing but amazing things. And since the day that we found out BYU was coming, that's that's a road trip I've wanted to make. John, the uh, between Kansas and Iowa State stretch, is at least right now on paper pretty favorable for them. So, like you mentioned, they're not back-to-back, but between uh, is at Houston by Arizona State and Cincinnati. Uh, Do you think that would uh, maybe enable them to kind of buffer whatever happens between those two games? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that is by far on paper the most manageable stretch of the schedule. You kind of feel like – all of it, you know, I know I saw some fans talking about, hey, the back half seems easier than the first half. I'm like, well, you're dividing it up half by half. I mean, that back half does include at West Virginia, at Iowa State, and Kansas at home. I mean, that's still pretty tough, even though I understand the thought with the first part being at Tulane, the Arizona game, two road trips to Colorado and BYU, and then a home game with Oklahoma State, which may well be the, the most difficult game of the season. Um, when it's when it's all said and done, so I feel like it's split pretty evenly. But yeah, especially when you throw in the bye week, there, they just have a lot of time to kind of recover, um, hopefully get well. And you know, you say that, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Willie Fritz is a an excellent, excellent football coach. So Houston may well be 
pretty improved there, and I, I certainly don't want to uh, to run down Arizona State and Cincinnati either. But getting those games back to back at home, coming off of a bye week, feels like a pretty pretty favorable stretch for them there. And yeah, I mean that Iowa State game that you know it's November thirtieth. We just played a snow game last year between K State and Iowa State. Now you're going to get them. Uh, with the potential, I suppose, for a snow game and just a really cold, you know, exactly what you would think of in a game between K-State and Iowa State at the end of the year in Ames. I mean, that's, that's not going to be easy at all. And um, I think Kansas certainly is a league title contender pending the health of, of Jalen Daniels, too. So those two games that bookended will not be easy by any stretch of the imagination. For all of the uh, complaints about not having Farmageddon as a protected rivalry, there it is like the very end of the year, John, in a prominent spot to close out the season. Has that kind of come and gone? I mean, it wasn't a big to-do, really. But uh, some of the backlash, has that cooled off when it comes to not having that as one of the protected rivalries? It's weird because I think I have a different opinion on it than most of the fan base. You know, most of the fan base seem to be really upset about it. Yes. And and, And, like, I get it. I mean, I understand why people are, um, because it is these days a really intense rivalry between the fan bases. There have been a lot of really good, really close games that the teams have played over the last decade, and it's it's a game that has been played forever. You know, one of the longest uh, continuous uh, games that has been played in, in college football right now. I understand all that. I guess I had just kind of moved to the the place of, like, hey, we're in a totally different era of college football right now, and, like, if you haven't noticed, tradition's being thrown out the window left and right. You know, I mean, we've had Texas and Texas A&M stop playing. Uh, we're going to have Bedlam ending, right? Kansas and Missouri have not been playing. So nothing against K-State and Iowa State, but it does not have the historical significance of, of games like that that have already gone by the wayside. So I I just feel like I had already more adapted to the new reality of, uh, of the world that we live in now. So it didn't, didn't really bother me too much. And I'm also thinking, I mean, hey, you're going to be playing them three out of four years. Like, it's not not like this thing is going away uh all the time so I, I was not as beat up as everybody else was i think when the schedule came back out you know it was i saw a little bit of rumbling about that with people kind of being like oh hey yeah i remember this isn't going to be a a permanent thing here um and again especially with you know the stuff that's happened in basketball has fired up the fan bases again so it does kind of come in on the heels of that so i, I yeah i think some most fans are, are still probably a little perturbed by that um, it just doesn't bother me personally quite as much as I think it did a lot of people. You brought up basketball, and if you don't mind, my final question for you is, is everything last year was pretty smooth. Uh, obviously, there's been drama. We discussed it with you last time when the, the basketball team, the player being suspended and eventually now playing at Louisville. Uh, it's been a tough run so far. Jerome Tang last night saying that that loss to Oklahoma was on him. What how how what how difficult is it right now with with what's going on at K State in basketball? It's really tough. I mean, it's by far the most significant uh, stretch of adversity that Jerome Tang's hit since he's been here. They they had not had a three game losing streak under Tang until right now. And you know, the first game there, you know, they were coming off of winning four of the first five in Big Twelve play, and I thought, and this team's playing a lot better than the sum of its parts because you mentioned they lost Naquan Tomlin. That's the a guy who's probably going to be playing in the NBA, and they they changed to a five-out offense uh, to try and basically work it around both he and Arthur Kaluma, who came in and transferred. And so you, know, you lost the the guy that you kind of built the new offense around. And then Quez Glover, I think, was a really important piece that they pulled in at guard uh, when they didn't get Joe Toussaint, who they, they really wanted and felt like they had um, right toward the end until Texas Tech kind of outbid them for him. Um, they, I think they felt like they needed another guard. They needed someone to handle the ball more to let Tyler Perry play off the ball. So they bring in Quez Glover, who at one point was committed to BYU. 
and he's had two knee injuries. He's only played a little bit in one exhibition game. And so you never got that. And so now Tyler Perry's had to do – he's basically playing out of position at point guard and just doesn't have the, the size or athleticism, I think, to be as effective as you would want him to be there. And he's, and, and he's not giving you nearly as much shooting. So they, they just have a lot of problems. And I thought, man, how, how they've won four of the first five Big 12 games. I mean, that's, that's a real testament to Jerome Tang and the job he's been able to do. But now you lose three straight – one of them in Ames, they, I mean, that was a one-to-two possession game with two minutes left. I mean, going right down to the wire, I think it was a two-point two game uh, with two minutes left in Ames. But Houston and Oklahoma blown out. The offensive struggles are coming back. They've had two games that looked like last night. It was last night and then Nebraska where they only scored uh, – they scored less than 50 points. They just have offensive struggles. They're a pretty good defensive team, but there's just not enough offense there. And they, they really – I mean, they didn't score – a single point until after the first two media timeouts last night against Oklahoma. So just having some moments, man. And when you combine that with, yeah, everything that happened um, with Naquan Tomlin, the president of the university, TJ Otzelberger, uh, Jerome Tang also did call out an official by name after the game uh, against Houston. And I think has, has since walked that back a little bit. It just feels like there's a lot of, there's been a lot of worrying about things that are kind of outside of their control. And I, I understand it. I mean, I totally get it. They've been dealt a really, really rough hand this year. Uh, but I, I do wonder and kind of hope if now, you know, last night was a bit of a wake-up call and kind of just taking the tone from Jerome Tang after the game where he said, like, hey, man, that's on me. Um, and we, we've got to be better with all this. I kind of hope and wonder if it's going to be like, we've got to get back to just worry about what we can control, keep all this stuff in-house and, uh, and try to maybe change some things. I don't know. We'll see if they're – able to change anything with the offense to, to get some more consistency there. But um, they've got enough of a resume, I think, and enough left on the schedule, obviously, to still make the tournament if they can get it turned back around. But uh, they're going to have to play considerably, considerably better than what they have the last two games. As always, great stuff. Thank you, John. Appreciate your time. John Kurtz, KC Sports Network, with us on K-State, the football schedule, and also their expectations, plus, plus – uh, with Jerome Tang and K-State kind of in a little bit of a, a free fall after what looked like a pretty smooth start, but a lot of drama going on there too. So we appreciate his time. When we come back, we'll have Paul Catalina and the top five. PettyClinicLowT.com. First, let me tell you about Dr. Kent Petty and his staff. They can help you become the high-performance man that you want to be, need to be, used to be one out of every three to four men. Have symptomatic issues of low testosterone from energy level dropping, sex drive dropping, and even your focus and your sleep habits change, and it could be your testosterone level. One out of every four men, three or four men, it drops. It happens. It's part of farther time. It's part of what happens with your body no matter what you do. And if, in fact, any of those symptoms, something you've been dealing with, Dr. Petty can help you out. Contact him on the website, PettyClinicLowT.com. He will set you up with the lab work. Uh, you'll go get your blood done. He will set that up, take care of that, his staff or Dr. Petty. Get your blood done. He will get the results. And if your testosterone level is too low, he can put you in a program to increase it to where it needs to be so you can become the man, the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, and used to be at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com.
Top five transfer QBs who need to have an instant impact. You know, uh, this is one I could kind of say for any time. It, in like, if I'd have known Jeff Halfley was going to leave, it would be nice to know that yesterday so that I could have done a, a BC replacement one. Um, but uh, I'm out for the next couple of days and, and kind of spotty on Friday. So uh, maybe you won't get to that one before they hire a coach. But here we go. Top five transfer QBs who need to have an instant impact. Number five, Daquan Fannett Baylor. Look, this is a dude who's got to save a, a coach's job, really, and it's it's a, a tall order. Um, you know, I, it's no secret that Dave Aranda is is kind of been you know kind of put on notice with when you change your offensive coordinator, when you start taking over the plays, when you've you change your transfer strategy. Uh, this is someone who needs to to perk back up the the program here uh, i think he's a, an excellent choice to try and do so we just don't know much about how it's all going to work but he does need to have an instant impact uh because again one he only has one year uh, left of eligibility but just in the bigger picture impact um it's it's about keeping the program on the track with the same head coach and not having to go to another coaching search yeah that that had to be part of the decision making that uh, you do know that he's going to be you know, again, at a program that need there's a lot of a lot of pressure on his shoulders. But it sounded like when we had him on the show that that was something he was looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, they need uh, everybody on the team to matter. I mean, he's not going to do it by himself, but he's certainly going to be the one helping lead the way. So, I mean, if their defense doesn't get better, then I mean, unless he's having a Heisman type season, it's still not going to probably add up in the long run to many wins for them. But um, he's got some good skill guys around him. Uh, got a lot of changes, though, to deal with, and maybe change isn't a bad thing in this case. But, uh, yeah, Dave Aranda definitely needs a bit of a step forward this season because you can't really explain away three straight years is what it would be if they falter again this season of losing football. I don't care when you won the Big 12 title. I don't care when you won the Sugar Bowl. You've dropped down two levels the past two years, and you can't afford to do it a third time. Number four, Will Howard. Uh, not someone who I think is saving someone's job, but if Will Howard can go out and beat Michigan and uh, do well and, and get Ohio State in good position in the playoff and maybe win the Big Ten, it's going to save Ryan Day a lot of headache because another loss to Michigan, uh, even if they do get in the playoff, um, say they, they don't go far in the playoff, they may lose in the first round or whatever, you know, he's not going to get fired, but it, it's going to be a headache for him and it's going to make things more difficult because – Again, Ohio State fans care about, you know, one thing more than all, and that's be being better than Michigan. Michigan's the reigning national champion. That's going to hang over his head, even though their coach is gone. That's going to hang over his head until he does something about it. And Will Howard is the guy brought in to, um, you know, accentuate the talent that, that's around him. They return a ton of people, uh, and then they brought in, like, they, they probably have the most bang for your buck in the transfer portal. I did that top five last week. But Will Howard, Ohio State, uh, there's a you know a high expectations for him to to get it right and improve on what was an 11 and one season for Kyle McCord last year with new teams coming in and probably a harder schedule for Ohio State than it was a year ago. Number three, DJ Uyangalale at FSU. Uh, Mike Norvell has proven that you can build something back and build it back in a relatively short amount of time, uh, but. All those guys that he built back, I mean, that, um, you know, Michigan, FSU, you know, Bama, Georgia are going to be the teams most cleared out by the NFL draft this year. Uh, and, you know, all those guys are going to the NFL draft, including Jordan Travis, uh, you know, who, of course, the entire season hinged on on a lot of different degrees. Uh, and DJU has been 
a good but not great quarterback in, in college football. And I don't know if he needs to be great at FSU, but he needs to be slightly better than he's been. And we'll see if Mike Norvell and the staff can get that out of him. I'm not totally sure. Uh, I'm confident that there's enough around him. The offensive line mostly coming back. They've done well in the portal. They've got good young skill players. But he does for FSU, especially with the way that they've kind of whipped it out on the table uh, in front of everybody, you know, when it comes to the bigger picture of the ACC and college football, they need to have two good years in a row. Like, they don't need to be a one-off, even if it's not going to be 13-0 in the regular season again. They need to at least match that success a little bit and and follow it up with another uh, pretty darn good season. Yeah, another quarterback, another player on his third school, uh, which has become the the average now, I feel like, across college football. Um, So, yeah, that's just – I feel like that's what we mention every time now. It's not even like two-time transfers. It's three-time transfers most of the time. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he had a really nice year last year, obviously um, not with the same head coach or with the same players, but I would think uh, even with some really good guys like Silas Bolden and Damian Martinez and those types uh, in Corvallis last year, he's getting a – a step up with the talent and Tallahassee. So that should bode well. Uh, Norvell's a really good coach. And yeah, I mean, they, everybody needs their starting quarterback to, to play well and put some pressure on their shoulders. But yeah, as far as Florida state trying to continue walking the walk with all of their talking, then yeah, he's going to be a major focal point because we saw how important that position was to them and the entire storyline of the 2023 season with FSU. Number two, Riley Leonard at Notre Dame. Um, had uh, ankle surgery, and he's going to miss the, at least the rest of winter and probably um, a, a good chunk of spring football. We know he's going to be the starter at Notre Dame. That's what he's brought, been brought in to do. This is a, a quarterback that even though he's not, he wasn't playing in you know, the most NFL-like offense that people have NFL comps to, and a lot of the scouts think he can be an NFL quarterback. But for Notre Dame, um, you know, the – a transfer market kind of worked out. It kind of, I mean, it just was what it was with Sam Hartman. He was good, but not great. But if they really want to take the next step, get back in the college football playoff and re-stamp themselves as a legit team to worry about in college football, Riley Leonard, uh, it's, it's probably, you know, about time that one of these transfer quarterbacks pays off in that regard uh, for them. And Riley Leonard could be that guy, but A, they got to keep him healthy, and B, uh, you know, they, they can't kind of falter uh, in, in the bigger games like they did last year. So uh, we'll see, but Riley Leonard has a lot of that uh, pressure for Marcus Freeman as he just kind of is, is doing one-and-done quarterbacks for a while. I do think that this should enable him to bridge to a recruit, but – We'll see, but Riley Leonard, uh, a lot of pressure in a, in a, in a pressure-packed place in South Bend. I don't know what it's going to be like across the country, but it's one thing to miss 14 playoffs, another thing to miss 12-team playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how often you're going to be afforded that uh, if you're Marcus Freeman in a job like that. So that'll be something interesting to start following along with next year with the 12-team playoff and you not making it is a different type of a story than you not making it these last few years or ever before really uh, in – in the NCAA's college football history. But uh, he's a really nice player. Would love to have seen what Duke would have done if he had been able to stay healthy. And maybe we you know, don't even have the big mess at the end that we ended up having. Maybe they jump up and beat FSU, and, and then it's not even a, a controversy at the end. But it happened. Um, it was unfortunate. Elko's obviously gone, and so um, I'm sure that even at Elko State, it would have been a battle uh, with a school like Notre Dame pursuing you. But, um, yeah, that's a, re- that's a really good get for the Irish, and – We'll see if he can uh, take them back to the promised land. And number one, Cam Ward at the U. Uh, of all the programs I've, I've listed here, 
like including like Baylor. You know, it, it's been a long time for Notre Dame's been to two uh, national champion or playoff and championship games. They lost to Alabama. Uh, they got drilled by Clemson in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, but that was a playoff game. Like Brian Kelly got them close. I mean, they were knocking on the door with Brian Kelly a couple times. Um, you know, Ohio State obviously in the mix. FSU was in the mix this year, uh, but no one's been. In, you know, Baylor has been in the mix a lot more than Miami has over the last twenty years. They've been in the desert. This is a, the fans are clamoring for someone to make it exciting. And the biggest reason they've been in the desert is they have had between Ken Dorsey and now just a long line of forgettable quarterbacks. And it's kind of surprising that the place that used to be QBU uh, when, you know, back to back to back was Jim Kelly, Bernie Kosar, and Vinny Testaverde. I mean, I'm not even getting into some of the other stuff. You know, the, the Heisman Trophy winners, the high, like the, the wins that they had, they just don't have, they just have not had that in the longest amount of time. And Cam Ward is the most exciting player to take that spot. Uh, and I, I mean, Mario Cristobal has been given some time to build this program back, but it will help him a lot in building it back if Cam Ward can shoot some adrenaline into this program because especially over the time that Mario Cristobal's been there, there's just been more abundant on offense. Uh, he's, he's a good player. They need a spark. Perhaps he brings them that spark. Yeah, he's uh, definitely an upgrade over Tyler Van Dyke's performance, uh, you know, here recently. And, and obviously he's off to the to transfer portal in, in different pastures as well. But uh, Cam's a – Great player. Uh, excited to see what he can do in a bigger spot, in a bigger spotlight. Uh, all due respect to Wazoo, but Miami's a bigger bigger you know, place and in uh, a bigger spotlight on you when it comes to the college football world. So he'll be front and center with uh, some of those battles in the ACC next season and, and have a great platform to, to show the rest of the country who maybe wasn't watching Pac-12 after dark all that often or certainly weren't following what incarnate word a few years ago, uh, what kind of a talent he is. And I'm excited for him to have that opportunity as a, a Texas guy and, and to, you know, keep doing what he's been doing. I think we'll definitely put Miami back on the track that they're expecting to be on and, and hope to be on with Mario Cristobal. Man, we, uh, we tried to go around as many different places as we could on the college football schedule. Paul, thank you very much for the top five brought to you by TexasBeefHouse.com and they had their online auction last night. It went really well. Kim Coulter mentioned that he tried to go on and get a bunch of steak, uh, some ribeyes, and was outbid. And he's not happy about it. That's why you got to be careful and also go in there and make sure you're ready when that online auction opens. They'll do another one. I'll let you know when that comes. Thanks to Emery Winter, Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie, uh, 365 Sports tonight, tonight at 1030 on the local CW. Also, uh, thanks to uh, you in the chat room and all of our great sponsors. Back at it again tomorrow. The triple option with Paul at 1. We're back on. No triple option. We'll be back on tomorrow at 3 o'clock with much more to come and a lot more looking at the Big 12, Max Olson, and many others. I'm David Smoke for Craig and Paul. Good night, 365 Sports. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're